Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Yesterday we ended on Surah Yunus, verse number 64. In that we were talking about the Awliyaullah, from verses 62 to 64. Allah subhanahu wa mentioned a special category of people. Allah inna awliyaullahi la khawfun alayhim wa la hum yahzunun. That indeed the awliya of Allah subhanahu are such people that there will be no fear on them nor shall they grieve. Right, here now we're going Surah Yunus Surah 10 verses number 65 and onwards. A'udhu billahi minash shaitan rajeem bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Wa la yahzanuka qawluhum innal izzati lillahi jami'ahu as-sami'ul alim Here Nabiyak Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling the Prophet that don't let their words qawluhum don't let what they're saying make you sad in any way. Don't let what they're saying make you grieve or let you fall into sorrow. So what does it mean that Allah SWT is talking about the different things that the mushrikeen of Makkah used to say about Allah SWT? First of all, when the mushrikeen of Makkah used to say that Allah SWT has children, or the Ahl Kitab used to say that Sayyidina Isa is the son of Allah, so the Prophet used to get sad. That why do they think such things about Allah SWT? And then when he would try to take them out of it, and try to bring them to the belief of Tawheed, and they wouldn't listen, then he would still get sad. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that don't, my beloved messenger, don't let their statements be a cause of sorrow or grief for you. All izzat belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is nothing they can say that can take the izzat away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Their words of dishonor cannot dishonor Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Their words of disgrace cannot let Allah ta'ala fall into disgrace. All is it and entirely belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Who is Samuel Alim? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all listening and all knowing, completely aware of their deeds and statements and every single thing that they're going to, that they, everything that they say and everything that they do. Allah inna lillahi man fi samawati wa man fi al-ard. And to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala man belongs whomsoever, whatsoever, all that is in the realms that lie above and all that is on this earth. وَمَا يَتَّبِعُ الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ شُرَكَاءَ And even all, all those people who call upon partners besides Allah SWT, who invoke associates and describe partners to Allah SWT, إِن يَتَّبِعُونَ إِلَّا ذَن That they are not following anything other than their own conjecture, their own speculation. وَإِنْ هُمْ إِلَّا يَخْرُسُونَ And indeed they are people who are only... Mm, estimating they're following nothing but their own whims and desires. Right. So we did this before. Allah SWT is that being who made the night for you so that you may rest and relax over there. Right, I discussed this with you before that night is a time of resting. There's barakah and sukoon in the night and there's going to be more barakah and power when you sleep in the night. وَالنَّهَارِ مُبْسِرَةً And Allah SWT has made the day a place and a time rather, a time in which you can see. A time in which you can see means Allah SWT has made broad daylight so that you may do the types of work that you need to do in order to be able to see easier. إِنَّ فِي ذَلَكَ لَآيَاتٍ لَكَوْمٍ يَسْمَعُونَ Indeed, in all of these things are signs for a community who wishes to listen, who wishes to hear. Alright, so now we're on Surah Yunus, Surah 10, verse 68. Verse 10, verse 68. Allu, they say, what do they say? They say that Allah SWT has taken a son. This is what the Christians used to say. Subhanahu, who al ghani. 
Praise be Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is glorious and exalted and far and pure and flawless above what they ascribe to him. Allah ta'ala is independent. He has no such need. And the suggestion here, by the way, is very much that human beings have children out of a need. We need children. We need to care for children. It's part of our need. Right? And it's very difficult for those parents who are unable to conceive. When they're not able to have children, they feel that one of their core human needs has been left unfilled. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ghani. He has no need whatsoever. He's independent of feeling all need and all want, and therefore he would have no need to have a child. And to him belongs each and everything that lies in the realms above and that which is on earth. And indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in dakum and Allah ta'ala saying that you have no warrant, no authority, no proof, no basis upon which you say that Allah ta'ala has a son. Are you saying, are you ascribing and saying and things about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ma la ta'lamun, things that you have no knowledge about whatsoever, call saying to them, my beloved messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, indeed those who invent things about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who fabricate lies concerning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, la yuflihun, they will never ever succeed in any way. Mata'un fid dunya, that they will simply enjoy the life of this world. Mata'un means to take benefit from, to take enjoyment from, to take pleasure from. So all of their pleasure and their enjoyment is simply going to be in this world. But what's going to happen after that? Thumma ilayna marji'ukum. After that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that to us is their ultimate and permanent and inescapable return. And then Allah Ta'ala says that we will cause them to taste and experience and enter into an extremely intense punishment and torment due to all of the things that they used to disbelieve, due to all types of kufr that they used to adopt. Ma can also mean that due to every single thing about Allah Ta'ala that they denied and they rejected and they disbelieved in. Alright, so this means now from here onwards, from 70, uh, verses 70 onwards, Allah subhanahu is going to mention part of the story of Sayyidina Nuh alayhi salam. Watlu and recite to them, right, my beloved messenger salam, right, recite alayhim to them, Naba'a Nuhin, the story and the incident of Sayyidina Nuh alayhi salam. When Sayyidina Nuh alayhi salam said to his people, Ya qawmi in kana kabura alaykum, that when he said to my people that if my, if it is hard on you, if it wears heavily on you, it's kibr, it weighs upon you, right? Maqami, my staying amongst you. And my reminding you and counseling you with the verses of revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then, فَعَلَى tawakkaltu. Then know that on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I exclusively trust and rely and depend. فَأَجْمِعُوا أَمْرَكُمْ وَشُرَكَاءُكُمْ ثُمَّ لَا يَكُنْ أَمْرَكُمْ عَلَيْكُمْ غُمَّ Then he said that Sayyidina Al-Sasam said to them, So what you may do is you can all join your forces and with all of your partners. And partners here can mean again their partners in this world. Partners can also mean all the idols in which they ascribe to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you can plan whatever you want. You can plan and decide upon your course of action. It will not make any uh, however, ثُمَّ لَا يَكُنْ أَمْرَكُمْ عَلَيْكُمْ غُمَّ ثُمَّ قَسُوا إِلَيَّ وَلَا تُنْذِرُونَ And then, Sayyidina Nuhu said that your, whatever you plot and plan will not be any cause of concern for you. And ثُمَّ ثُمَّ قَسُوا إِلَيَّ وَلَا تُنْذِرُونَ And don't worry, you don't have to, you can carry out your plan. 
do what you want to do and don't give me any quarters, don't give me any respite. Alright. What is referring here? That Sayyidina Nuh Islam challenges people that whatever it is that you want to do against me, if you feel that my presence in you is unbefitting, if you're upset with my verse, the verses that Allah Ta'ala sent me with, then you can attempt to do whatever thing you want. This is Sayyidina Nuh Islam actually showing his ultimate trust and dependence on Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, that as a prophet he knew that his job was simply to deliver the message and his community thereafter can do whatever they so want. فَانْتَوَلَيْتُمْ So if you turn away, then know that he says that فَمَا سَأَلْتَكُمْ مِنْ أَجْرِ that I've never ever ever asked you for any ajr, for any compensation, for any reward for my preaching to you. In ajriya illa Allah. That indeed my reward is not going to be found anywhere other than with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is a statement also that a person, so this is another ayah, so surah number 10 verse 72 that is useful. Sometimes you will find that in human relations it's natural that we want somebody to appreciate us. And sometimes you will find many times that people who are unappreciative, you may find that your employee is unappreciative, you may find that your boss is unappreciative, you might find that your friend, your student, your teacher, your colleague, your parent, your child is unappreciative. So at that moment then, especially if what you were doing was a work of deen, then you should think that, okay, it's okay. That whether this student or teacher has become disloyal or they've gone their own way or they don't remember all the things we did for them, it doesn't make a difference because what you were doing, you were doing it only for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We weren't doing it to be appreciated in this world or to be congratulated in this world or to have taken khidmat in this world. So in ajriya illa Allah, that indeed my sawab, my recompense is only going to be from Asalbi, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. min al muslimin and I've been commanded that I must be amongst those who submit completely to the commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now unfortunately after he said this to them, فَكَذَبُهُ They chose to falsify him, deny him, they chose to repudiate him. This was their choice of his community. فَنَّجَيْنَاهُ وَمَمَّعَهُ فِي الْفُلْكِ And then the same thing we did before that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted salvation and rescued him and those who were his true followers with him in the folk in the boat or you can call it the ark and then we made them in the inheritors and successors to all the earth and Allah says and then we drowned in that flood those who were falsifying and repudiating the verses of our revelation and our signs so you should reflect and notice and see what is the outcome of those munzaneen means those who were warned so that community to him a warner was sent a prophet was sent a prophet was sent a book was sent a scripture was sent and then Sayyidina himself did da'wah with them and then if they still chose to disbelieve so their end is a punishment for this ummah we will not get punished in this world but anyone from this ummah who also chooses to disbelieve in the Prophet ﷺ and disbelieve in the verses of revelation that Allah sent down upon him then such a person, such a human being will be punished in Jahannam. By the way, you should know although this more details of Sayyidina Nuh are coming later in Surah Nuh but remember that Sayyidina Nuh how long did he call to his people? It comes in Quran that Allah Ta'ala gave him 950 years age. So it means for 950 years he was making da'wah on his people and only after 950 years of his people rejecting him only then did the punishment come. Now one can then imagine what, what Sayyidina Rasulullah the comfort he must have gotten that this previous prophet had to spend 900 plus years 
working on his community, and even then he was only able to get a few. And alhamdulillah, Sayyidina Rasulullah within a few years, Allah Ta'ala blessed him with thousands of Sahaba Ikram, radiallahu ta'ala anhum ajma'in. Okay, from 74 onwards, Allah SWT is going to start mentioning some other Anbiya. So then afterwards, we sent after Sayyidina Salam many, many prophets and messengers, ila qawmihim, ila qawmihim, to each and every one of their respective communities. Doesn't mean the community of Nuala means each messenger was sent to their qawm. Again, I've explained to you before that only Sayyidina Rasulullah qawm is all of insan. Otherwise, every messenger had a particular community to whom they were sent and to whom they addressed. And all of those messengers came to their communities with clear and manifest proofs. However, many of the people, فَمَا كَانُوا لِيُؤْمِنُوا Many, many of those people did not believe in those anbiya بِمَا كَذَّبُوا بِهِ مِنْ قَبْلُ Because of what they had denied earlier. Allah Ta'ala says, thus to be, then set a seal. And it means set a seal on the spiritual hearts of those who transgress, who those exceed the bounds. And then after the after all of those anbiya, so Allah Ta'ala is giving, glossing over human history. Sayyidina Nuala Islam was, Sayyidina Adam Islam was sent. Next prophet is Sayyidina Nuala Islam. Then after the flood, then a lot of prophets come. But Allah Ta'ala doesn't mention any of them. Then after all of those other prophets came, and, and it suggested in the mass amount of history, most people did not believe in those prophets. That's why even Western historians, when they do pre, when they do early history, they're talking about before Isa alayhi salam, right? They don't really talk about prophets themselves. Because although Allah Ta'ala sent prophets to those communities, those communities didn't believe in them. So where does the history really start? So Allah SWT is skipping and then mentioning where is it going to really start. Right? And so now you have the beginning, right, of these Middle Eastern, right, Mediterranean faiths and their histories and their legacies, even for global historians, is still very much there. So what does it mean afterwards? And we sent after all of those prophets to their community, we sent Sayyidina Musa, Salman Harun, ila Fir'auna wa Mala'ihi, and we sent them to Fir'aun and his chieftains and his leaders with our signs and our verses of revelation. However, فَاسْتَقْبَرُوا They were arrogant, they were haughty, they felt themselves to be greater than needing a prophet and needing a scripture. وَقَانُوا قَوْمًا mujrimin, And indeed, then they became a nation of wrongdoers, of wrongdoers and sinners. What happened? When Allah says, and when the haq, when the truth came to them from us, they said that this is nothing other than magic. This is nothing other than magic. So we've done the story of Sayyidina Musa earlier on. Right? We've done the story of Sayyidina Musa earlier on. Here, so what did Sayyidina Musa respond? He responded, That are you saying that, that it, this is magic about haq, about the truth, about the ultimate reality, which is Allah Ta'ala and scripture and revelation and prophets, even after that it has come to you, that that has come to you? Is this magic? Know that the magicians will never ever be successful. Right? And then you did that story earlier. Let's say the Muslim Islam was triumphant over the magicians. And all of those magicians decided to accept him as a Nabi. And they accepted belief in Allah SWT. Qalu, they said, Ajittana lita fitana. Have you come to us to remove us and to turn us away from all of those things that Aba'ana, our forefathers used to be, that we, we found and we discover and we know that our forefathers were on. And are you doing this so that the two of you, in the Lukumah, the two of you means Sayyidina Musa and Sayyidina 
Harun Islam, are doing this so that the two of you may have what? Al-Kibriya'u fil-ard. So that you may have sovereignty and dominion and you may have greatness on earth. وَمَا نَحْنُ لَكُمَا بِمُؤْمِنِينَ So they said that we will never ever be people who believe in the two of you. So they were misguided. Right? The Sallallahu said in Hadith by the way, الْمُؤْمِنُ مِرْأَةُ الْمُؤْمِنُ That a believer is a mirror for a fellow believer. One of the meaning that, I mean, I'm not saying for owners a believer, but one of the meaning of that is that people are likely and liable to see the faults that they have in themselves, they see that in other people. So actually these magicians that they also were after and their dream and desire would be kingdom, right? And to have dominion and sovereignty over this earth. So the faults that they have in themselves, they saw that, they read into that, they viewed that Sayyidina Musa and Sayyidina Harun would also be after the same thing. And therefore they said, we will never, we will not become people who believe in you. Or not. Pharaoh said, right, that bring each and every bikulli sahirin alim, bring every alim magician. We did this before, exact same stuff. Bring every single proficient and skilled and knowledgeable magician to me. And then they all came. And when the magicians came, so, Qalullah Musa said, Alku, you go first, right? Ma antum mulkun, throw whatever you want to throw, cast whatever you want to cast. So when they cast what they had, Qala Musa said to them, that what you have come with, what you have displayed, what you have manifested, is magic. Is magic. And so here Sayyidina Musa said, why did he say this? He wanted to give a broader lesson. That this isn't magic versus magic. Sayyidina Musa was showing. And Allah Ta'ala is mentioning this also, so we also know that Qur'an and Deen and Sunnah and Taqwa far outpower and far outweigh magic and are far more important than magic. So what they did do was magic. It wasn't illusion. Some people have thought, some people have encountered that some writers suggest that it was slate of hand. It was because they don't believe in magic, right? So certain more modernist, progressive type commentators because they don't think magic exists, right? So they suggested this was just a slate of hand or it was a trick of illusion. No, it was magic. And earlier we have done for you in this course, right, the ayah in which Allah talks about how magic was revealed to those two angels, right, in Babylon, etc. So they did do magic. So Sayyidina Musa is also, and Quran is attesting that what they did was seher, was magic. Inna Allah sayyubtiluhu. And now, right now, Allah is going to make it batil. He's going to render it null and void. He's going to negate it. He's going to falsify it. He's going to prove that magic is false by giving him this miracle. And the rest of the story, you know, that Sayyidina Musa cast down his staff and what they had done, their magic was to make these serpents and snakes appear. So when Sayyidina Musa cast down his staff, his staff changed into a large serpent or snake which just devoured all of their serpents and snakes. Alright? Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never allow the actions of mufsideen, of people who are spreading fasad, people who are corrupt and spreading corruption. La yuslihu, He will never let them prosper, never let them, uh, never let them materialize, never let them attain, never let them be proven to be correct. Alright. وَيُحِقُّ اللَّهُ الْحَقَّ and Allah SWT will establish haq as the truth bikalimatihi with his statements as verses of revelation even if the evil wrongdoers dislike it that haq is established and proven to be haq
Right? So this is the promise that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had made to Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam, and that's why Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam was confident that Allah ta'ala would establish haq. Now unfortunately, فَمَا آمَنَ Musa That did not believe in Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam, إِلَّا ذُرِّيَةٌ مِّن قَوْمِهِ إِلَّا ذُرِّيَةٌ مِّن قَوْمِهِ That only some few young men or youth of his people decided to believe in Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam. Allah because the rest, why didn't they believe? They had a fear, uh, min Fir'aun. They had a fear from Fir'aun. So they were afraid of Fir'aun. They were afraid of Fir'aun. So initially, only the youth accepted. So this suggests, and you're going to see this coming up now in the rest of the few days that we have over here, the importance of youth in Surah Yusuf, in Surah Yusuf, the importance of youth in Surah Kahf, which inshallah we will end on, the importance of youth. And this suggests also that youth are very receptive to the teaching of deen. Youth are receptive. Youth who are pure and pious, they are receptive to the teaching of deen. Right? They were afraid of Pharaoh and all of Pharaoh's tribal chieftains and leaders. What were they afraid of? That Pharaoh and his people would put them in fitna. Means that Pharaoh and his tribal leaders will put us in a difficult time. So they were afraid of that. Alright. What did Pharaoh do? وَإِنَّ فِرْعَوْنَ لَآلٍ فِي الْأَرْضِ so what was Fir'aun was in a stat, in a position in which he had la'al in Fir'aun, he was in a position of superiority on earth. He did actually have a power over them, right? So if you want, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in some way mentioning that indeed, undoubtedly, verily, Fir'aun did have this position on earth. However, وَإِنَّهُ لَمِنَ الْمُسْرِفِينَ However, Fir'aun was indeed amongst the people who do israf, who transgress, who exceed the bounds and limits that are set upon them by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright. Waqala Musa and Sayyidina Musa said that, O my community, in kuntum amantum, that if you believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, fa'alayhi tawakkalu, and then upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone will you rely and trust in kuntum muslimin, if indeed you are people who are submitting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he told them that, look, apparently Fir'aun is all high and mighty on earth. He has the power. But you should have tawakkul on Allah. You should have iman. You should have iman. This suggests over here that the reason they didn't take iman, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned, was their fear of Fir'aun. Not because they disbelieved, not because they were atheists, not because they didn't view Sayyidina Musa to be a prophet. They believed all of that, but they had fear. And this is a lesson for us as Muslims as well, that we shouldn't stay back from anything on our deen or doing amal on deen because of fear of others, fear of makhluk, fear of people, or fear of those who are alim, who are elder to us, who have some position over us, whether it is our boss, or whether it is our parents, or whether it is some senior colleague, right? We shouldn't have that fear. When we know haq to be haq, we shouldn't hold back because of that fear. If we do... No haq to be haq and hold back because of fear, then our nisbat will go back to these people, the community who chose to disbelieve in Sayyidina Musa. So what did the Sayyidina Kalu? Allahi tawakkalna. So those believers, the ones who believe in Sayyidina Musa, they said, okay, Allahi tawakkalna, indeed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we rely. Rabbana la tajalna fitnatan lil kaumil zalameen. And O oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, do not make us a test. Do not make us fitna for kaumil zalameen, for a community who is unjust. What does this mean? To Mufti Zakisab is translated fitnas here. Don't let us become a victim. Don't let us become a victim. 
Why is it test? It means here that Allah Ta'ala don't let us be used in their experimental tests. Don't let them um, afflict their fitna on us. Let us not be the object of their fitna. Let us not become the object of the fitna of the qawm al-zalimin. So zalimin means unjust oppressors. So when there's a community like Fir'aun and his chieftains who are unjust oppressors, they're definitely going to oppress somebody. Because that's their nature. They oppress their oppressors. So this is what their du'a is. Don't make us mazloo. That's what it means. Don't put us in the test of being the object of their injustice. All right. مَنَجِّنَا بِرَحْمَتِكَ مِنَ الْقَوْمِ الْكَافِرِينَ And all the sponsors save us from, by means of your mercy, Allah, مِنْ قَوْمِ الْكَافِرِينَ From this community of disbelievers. وَحَيْنَا إِلَى مُوسَى وَأَخِيهِ And Allah says, we sent revelation down to Sayyidina Musa and his brother, who is Sayyidina Harun alayhi salam, that what? تَبَوَّآ لَكَوْمِكُمَا بِمِسْرَةً that you should establish homes and settle your people in Misr in Egypt. Alright? You should establish homes and settle your people in Misr. Alright. And what you should do, so here they're not, so the exodus isn't being said yet. They're not being told to flee Misr and try to cross the Red Sea. Initially, the command was that they should stay in Misr. Why? Because Allah wants to test them that okay, let's first see, right, that they're worried that say, Fir'aun is going to Afflict them with fitna and afflict them with zone. So let them stay put and let's see how much they worry. Let's say they're true to their tawakkul. So we won't take them out initially. But what should they do? That Allah Ta'ala is going to give them a nuskha, something they can do to save themselves from the affliction of fitna. What is that? وَجْعَلُوا بَيُوتَكُمْ قِبْلَةً That literally means that you should make your homes a qibla. It means that you should make your homes places of worship. Alright? You should make your homes places of worship. وَقِيمُ salat And you should establish salah. وَبَشِّرِ mu'minin, And therefore, and after they do these two things in their homes, then Umul Salaam give glad tidings to the believers. So this is also a sign for us that if we feel that we're living in an age of fitna, in an age of zulm, we're living in a society in which there is injustice, then what is our nuskha for us? So Surah number 10, verse 87, that we should make our homes. We should make our homes places that are oriented towards qibla. What does that mean? Oriented towards deen. Oriented towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Our homes should be sanctuaries of aman and itminan. If there's aman and itminan lacking in the society, we should make our homes bastions of aman and itminan. And in our homes and our families also, we should be leading an Allah-oriented life. salah, And we should become regular on our salah. And instead of doing this, what people do is they watch talk show after talk show, and they do tabsara after tabsara, tabsara ala tabsara. That's not the solution. The solution is to orient ourselves once again towards the Qibla, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the direction of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we should become regular in our salah. Waqala Musa, so now when they're staying in Misr, then Sayyidina Musa makes dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that, Rabbana, O Arab, indeed you have given Fir'aun and his tribal chieftain zinatan wa amwalan, that you have given them splendor and wealth and riches fil hayat dunya in the life of this world. رَبَّنَا لَيُذِلُّوا أَنْ سَبِيلِكَ But O oh, Rabb, they're using this, they're using their zinat. In other words, there was a certain pomp and attraction of the royal court. People are attracted to the elite classes, right? These elite ruling class. So what is Pharaoh and his tribal chieftains using it for? They're using it to lead people and others. لِيُذِلُّوا لِيُذِلُّوا To make people gumrah, to lead people astray from your path. 
Right? And that's the same thing that we learn lesson again. That sometimes people are caught up in the pomp and glamour and splendor and riches and wealth and opulence, right? Of elites or of the ruling class and then they use that to make people go away. Right? A nice boy goes to that university and says, Whoa, you shouldn't be affected. So what did Sayyidina Musa Samdan say? Rabbanat mis ala amwalihim washdud ala kulubihim. Allahu Akbar. So Sayyidina Musa Sam, what dua did he make to them? He said, Oh, our Rabb. Right? Rabban at mis. Eradicate. Just eradicate their wealth. Finish it. Obliterate. Obliterate their riches. Destroy all of their wealth. Washdud ala kulubihim. And you should harden their hearts. Harden their hearts. How much? فَلَا يُؤْمِنُوا حَتَّى يَرَوُ الْأَذَابُ الْأَلِيمُ Harden their hearts so much that they never ever ever believe until they see the painful punishment right there in front of them. Now let me do one more ayah and then I'll come back to this dua. قَالَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said قَدْ أُجِيبَتْ دَعَوَاتُكُمَا that know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that indeed the dua that the two of you, Musa Sallam have made, has been accepted. Ujib, what Allah ta'ala is saying, Ujibat, it has been accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So therefore the two of you should remain firm and upright and steadfast. Wala tattabighani sabila ladina la ya'lamun. And you should never, ever, ever, the two of you should never, ever, ever follow the path of those people who don't have any knowledge. Okay, so the first thing here that you would reflect upon is that when Sayyidina Musa Sam made this dua and Allah Ta'ala is referring to the dua of the two of you, so actually Sayyidina Harun al-Islam was saying Ameen on the dua. So it shows that when a person says Ameen on dua, means they participate in the dua, means they themselves are making dua. So that is why when even in Jummah you go somewhere and you can't even hear, if you have husnizan and think that that khatib iman is a more pious person than me, Normally I can just make dua for myself. Today he's making dua. If I say ameen, even if I can't, even the speakers are messed up, but I say ameen every now and then, then I will be participating in his dua, and his duas will also apply to me. So this is establishing collective dua. These ayat, the dua, if somebody is making dua, then we can say ameen on their dua, and we will be considered as having made that dua ourselves, and Allah Ta'ala therefore is accepting it from both of them. Some of you may be wondering that this is very different from our Nabi Karim Sallallahu Look at the dua that Sayyidina Muslim is making. Destroy, obliterate their wealth. Right? And harden their hearts. He was doing so because he just said that they were using their wealth and the pomp and splendor of their wealth to take people away from the path of Allah Subhanahu Wa And he is a Nabi. He's trying to bring people to the path of Allah Subhanahu Wa You will find similar words that Sayyidina Muslim has made du'as like this. And the most important du'a like this is kunut i Maybe we can add that to Imran's list of du'as that he procures for you. kunut i is a du'a that Sayyidina Rasulullah made. Right, and this was against the enemies who were unjustly waging aggression against Muslims and who were keeping people from the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you will find similarly intense words in the Bi'aqsim and Dua Kanut and Nasa. And this was the, another proof that this is so. One proof is that there's tasdeeq bi sunnah. Second is tasdeeq bi Allah that Allah himself accepted the Dua. Allah Ta'ala himself is accepting the Dua. Right? Okay means here that sometimes there will come a community who are beyond the reach of the Prophet. So Fir'aun and his chieftains are clearly beyond the reach. 
And same thing happened in the time of the Prophet Abu Lahab and Abu Jahl also ended up, they were like the Fir'auns of their time, so they were beyond the reach of Hidayah, they were beyond even the reach of the Nabi of their time. Last thing you should see here is that what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after telling Sayyidina Musa Islam and Harusam that I've accepted your du'a and okay I'm going to obliterate them and their riches and I'm going to harden their hearts and they will not believe until they witness a painful punishment. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives a piece of information to them. وَلَا تَتَّبِعَانِ وَلَا تَتَّبِعَانِ سَبِيلَ الَّذِينَ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ that you should never, ever, ever be sure to never, ever follow the path of the people who don't have ilm. So this ayah establishes that in our deen, we follow ulama. Now who those ulama are, which they are, that may be another discussion. But we are going to follow sabil of al-ladina ya'lamun. We are not going to follow the path of those who don't know. So many times you have people who are not ulama and they want you to follow them in deen and say there's no clergy in Islam. There's no clergy in Islam in that sense that the Catholic concept of clergy was that the clergyman was going to be the one who takes you to heaven. So you know there's no ulama, there's no clergy in that sense. However, the word ulama, and this is going to come by the way later in Quran, the word ulama exists in Quran, and the word alladhina ya'namun exists in Quran, and the word alladhina la ya'namun exists in Quran. And many times in Quran, Allah SWT talks about people who know and people who don't know. In fact, most prominently, ayahal yastawil ladina ya'lamuna wal ladina la ya'lamun. Can the two ever be equal, those who have ilm and those who don't have ilm? No, they can't be equal. And because they're not equal, we are going to be people who follow the path of the people who have ilm. Even the anbiya have been told. Even anbiya have been told by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, don't follow non-ulama. Even the anbiya are being told that in Quran. Alright? So in our deen, we are people who follow ilm. We don't follow aql. We don't follow the person who akli baat, mantiki baat kar rahe. No. We follow the person who ilm ki bunyad par baat kar rahe. We don't follow the person who makes rational logic sense. We follow that person who is speaking on the basis of ilm, on the basis of sound and established knowledge. So here this is the thing that we made the Bani Israel uh, cross the sea. So now Allah Ta'ala is fast forwarded, right? Now, now is fast forwarding Allah Ta'ala's fast forward. Now no longer being told to settle in Misr. Now they're being told to make the exodus. And now Sayyidina Musa has been, revelation has come to him that you should take the Ban Israel and you should cross the sea. And now Allah Ta'ala is coming to the end of that story that how Allah Subhanahu made the Bani Israel, that we made the Bani Israel traverse across Al-Bahra, right, the sea. And we made Fir'aun and all of his army, what were they, Baghyam, all the one that they were in Rebellion and they were in transgression, they were pursuing them. Hatta ida adrakuhul gharq. Until the, literally means until the drowning overcame them. Right? Until the, the moment of drowning overcame them. So they pursued them in bagawa and udwan, in rebellion and in enmity and hostility until, until they, until the moment of drowning overcame them. At that moment, what happened? Qala, then Fir'aun said, Amantu annahu la ilaha illa alladhi amanta bihi. That I believe that there is no God except Him. Alladhi amanta bihi, amanat bihi. Sorry, alladhi amanat bihi. That Allah with whom the Bani Israel believe in. Alladhi amanat bihi banu Israela. That I believe in that God, that there is no God except for Him, and I believe in whom the Bani Israel believe in. 
and wa ana min al-muslimin and i am from those who accept islam all right at this moment the iman of sayyidna fir'aun is not accepted by allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is what in english we call too little too late too little too late So what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say to him? Al-ana Abi Abi Al-ana And now at this moment you want to have iman At this moment when you One second before your sword was drawn And you were chasing my Nabi And you wanted to kill my Nabi And slaughter all of his believers And now the waters of the seas are coming to drown you And now you want to have belief Where was your iman five seconds ago When your sword was drawn And you wanted to kill Sayyidina Musa Islam And all of his companions Al-ana, and now you want to believe. Wakad asayta kablu, and indeed you were disobedient all throughout kablu before, prior to this. Wakunta min al-musidin, and throughout your life you have been somebody who has been a person of fasad and corrupt and making mischief and spreading corruption. Falyoma So here, Allah and today we shall preserve your body. And I'll explain this in a moment to translate it. لِتَكُونَ لِمَنْ خَلْفَكَ آيَةً So that for all of those who follow you and succeed you, who succeed you, who come after you, who come later than you in time, that you should become an ayah, a sign for them. وَإِنَّ كَثِيرًا مِنَ النَّاسِ أَنْ آيَاتِنَ الْغَافِلُونَ And indeed many, many people are, indeed many, many people are negligent of all of our signs. Alright, so what is Allah SWT mentioning here? Number one is that the body of Fir'aun was preserved by Allah SWT. It's literally meaning that we shall preserve. We will save you, but we won't save you by accepting your iman. We're going to save you that we're not going to let your body be fully lost at sea. And so the Mufassirin mentioned that Sayyidina Fir'aun, Fir'aun's body was preserved and found on top of the sea. Right? And when it was found on top of the sea, it was taken out. Now some commentators are of the belief, Allahu Alam, right? That if you go to Cairo today, you can go see the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh has been preserved in a prophet called mummification. At that point, the Hakims of that time knew certain salves, you know, salves, ointments that would preserve the body and then they would put that on a person and wrap that person in bandages, right? And this is called mummification and the tombs are there. And when I was a small boy, I also... Went and I've seen these places, many many tombs. Kuch vague, we have some vague memories of that, of going to the tombs in Cairo and seeing this famous Fir'aun. Allahu Alam, right? Some people suggest that that is the same one. Uh, this is, by the way, one very interesting area. Anybody who wants to do comparative religious studies, uh, it's fascinating what uh, the Jewish and Christian scriptures, their accounts of this. I don't have time to go through it. Uh, and I never researched this myself. There was a professor at Oxford who gave a presentation on this. And it was quite fascinating to see what their account is of uh, Fir'aun and what happened to him. And then he tried to bring the Qur'an in. Anyway, so uh, so his body was not washed away, so the people may see. So Allah Alam, right? Allah Alam, Allah knows best. I cannot tell you definitively that that mummy sitting wherever in Egypt is actually the body of this Pharaoh, Allah Ta'ala knows best. But this much we can't say for sure because what it is in Quran is that at least for some period of time, Allah Ta'ala did preserve that body, right? And Allah knows best how long it has been preserved. Alright, 10 verses 93 on Rasulullah Ta'ala. 
Here Allah Ta'ala says that indeed, and we then now allotted homes. So first Allah Ta'ala told them to take up residence and take up homes in Misr. Now Allah Ta'ala says that when they crossed the sea, Allah Ta'ala gave them a wonderful place to live, a pleasant abode. وَرَزَقْنَاهُمْ مِنَ التَّيِّبَاتِ And Allah Ta'ala sent sustenance upon them and provided them with pure and noble things. فَمَخْتَلَفُوا حَتَّى جَاءَهُمُ الْإِلْمِ And they never ever differed until knowledge. They did not disagree between themselves, but after ilm, after knowledge came from them. What does this mean? And this means that initially, by ilm, don't make it, this doesn't mean that ilm is the reason for ikhtilaf. What it means is that before the ahkam, the laws came down, when all that had happened yet is that you just have to have belief, just iman in Allah, and you have been saved and you're across the sea. So at that point they were happy. They were rejoicing that Allah Ta'ala has freed us and that we're living on this other side of the river and Allah, of the sea and Allah has given us pleasant abodes. But when ilm came by, ilm here it means that now when the knowledge of the verses of revelation started coming, when the ahkam, the legal rulings and injunctions started coming, when the different prohibitions started coming, then they started to have ikhtilaf with Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. And you saw many, many, many examples of that in Surah Baqarah in the beginning of Qur'an al-Karim. Alright? You know, this is something you won't, again, this is why you understand this from the translation. The translation literally says that one of them has said here that, uh, what does he, is he translated? Khair, you won't, they, you won't understand this. So, ilm itself is not something that causes ikhtilaf when the knowledge of what Allah Ta'ala wanted from them and the commandments, and then, then they started differing amongst one another and they started having ikhtilaf with Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. They started having ikhtilaf with even Sayyidina Musa Nisan. So what does Allah say? Inna Rabbaka, that don't worry, your Rabb. So he's telling Musa alayhi salam, that don't worry, O Musa alayhi salam, that surely your Rabb, yakdi baynahum, will decisively decide between all of them, yawm al on the Day of Judgment, fi kanu fihi yakhtalifun, regarding and concerning and regarding all of those matters about which they are different. Fan kunta fi shakkim mimma anzalna ilayka. Now interestingly here, Sayyidina Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is actually addressing directly Sayyidina uh, Sayyidina Musa alayhis salam. Alright. Although some commentators suggest that actually here, Ka doesn't, Ka is the singular, right? If you singular. Or it could mean that now there's a shift here and Allah is Third view is that this verse is addressed to you, any such person who has doubt. So if you, means if in kunta, if you personally, all addressees of scripture and revelation, if any one of you, right? So in that sense, all of humanity is being mentioned here as the single you. So if you are in doubt regarding that which we have sent down upon you, then you should go and ask the people who are, literally means reciting the book before you, means go ask the Ahl Kitab. Why? Because that indeed truth has come to you from your Rabb. So you should never ever allow yourself to be amongst the ones who are doubtful. And never, never ever become amongst those who falsify and deny and repudiate the verses of Allah's revelation, the verse of revelation from Allah are signed. Because were you to do so, then you would certainly become amongst the khasirin, amongst those who suffer absolute and complete loss. And indeed those upon whom 
the kalima, the decree of your Rabb has passed already upon them, they will not believe. وَلَوْ جَاءَتْهُمْ كُلُّ آيَةٍ حَتَّى يَرَوُ الْأَذَابُ الْأَلِيمُ That if each and every sign was to come upon them, even then they would not believe until they saw the painful punishment. Alright. This has to do with something we did earlier, that there were some of the Mushrikeen in Makkah who had asked Apostle Sallam that if such and such sign comes, we will believe in you. Sallallahu Alaihi saying that even if all the signs have come, they won't believe. Because the haq has already manifested itself upon them. And if they were going to believe in haq, they would have believed in haq. When haq was sent to Bandan, they're not going to believe in haq because some other sign is going to come upon them. amanat That there was never, there has never ever been a nation such that it uh, that they could have believed, and fanafa'aha imanuha, and their iman, the iman of that nation, would have been a benefit to it, illa koma yunus, except then that the community of Sayyidina Yunus alayhi salam. Alright. When they believe, lama amanu, so when the community of Sayyidina Yunus alayhi believe, kashafna anhum adhab al then indeed, then we averted from them, we removed from them, we lifted up from them, kashafna anhum, we lifted up from them a humiliating punishment, fil hayat dunya in this world, mata'nahum ilahin, and then we granted them some respite, we let them enjoy the life in this world, ilahin, until a particular period of time. So now we have come to the story of Sayyidina Yunus salam, And obviously here now verse number 98. This is the verse after which the entire surah has been named. The story of Sayyidina Yunus salam has also been mentioned in Surah 21 verse 87. Also in Surah 37 verses 139 to 148. And also in Surah 68 verses 48 to 50. Here, here, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning that their iman benefited them, it means that they benefited, that Sayyidina Yunus alayhi salams uh, benefited them, that first Allah ta'ala has to, they were people that was worthy of punishment. But first Allah ta'ala sends his prophets, so when Allah ta'ala sent the prophet to them, and then they had iman in Sayyidina Yunus alayhi salam, so the iman, at least those people, we'll do the story in a moment, those people who had iman in Sayyidina Yunus salam, that their, their iman was a sabab for averting the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on that community. Sayyidina Yunus was sent as a messenger to a particular group of people. Again, same thing that happened to all these earlier anbiya that we did that other day, right? When we did the community of Ad, community of the Mood, community Sayyidina Shu'ayb alayhi salam, Sayyidina Hud alayhi salam, Sayyidina Salih alayhi salam, all of them, same thing with Sayyidina Salih his people, vast majority of the people refused to accept. The vast majority of his people refused to hearken to his call. So then he warned them that three, you have three days left. After three days, if you still don't have Iman, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send his punishment upon you. So what they did, they started discussing amongst one another. That because like the Prophet ﷺ, they knew Sayyidina Yunus ﷺ, and they knew that he's not a liar, and he would never ever lie. So if he's telling us that a punishment will come in three days, not necessarily because they believed in Allah Taala or they believed in him in a prophet, but because they believed him to be truthful. So what they did was on the third morning, they started seeing some signs, some precursors, if you will, precursors, preliminaries, mubadiyat of that azab. 
the sky became dark, clouds started enveloping them, right? So what they did is they started searching for Sayyidina Yunus Laysan. When they started searching for him, they couldn't find him. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided them to turn to him in repentance. So when they couldn't find Sayyidina Yunus Laysan, they just started making tawbah in their own way, however they could to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? And they started begging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgiveness and they took iman in Allah. When they took iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgave them and their iman then, this is what this incident Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning to them, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, their iman benefits them. Meanwhile, Sayyidina Yunus Islam, he felt ashamed to return to his people because he saw that the punishment was averted and he saw that, okay, then I told them that you're going to be punished and now they actually did take iman and they weren't punished. So now he thought that maybe they'll be against me. They'll say that you were supposed to be our prophet and you left us then. You disappeared on the third day. Because right, he left thinking that the punishment was going to come and we were able to patch up with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what did he do? That's the case. This is the incident when Sayyidina Yunus Islam. He then went to the coastline and he boarded a ship. He went to the coast and he boarded a ship. Now when he was riding with, sailing with those people on that ship, then all of a sudden the ship met some tough circumstances, some storm, and the ship felt that it was about to sink. So the captain and the crew of that ship, they felt, because they were people who were superstitious, they felt that it must be because of this passenger. What's, what's changed? What's All of a sudden, we're having these storms and overcast skies and clouds and winds, and this is, un, then it, maybe, 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 maybe because they were also experts at weather or navigation, they knew that this wasn't, the type of weather that should happen in this season and in this climate. So, or because they were superstitious. Either way, they viewed that saying Yunus alayhi salam was the reason why, uh, you know, uh, the reason why these storms are coming. Alright? So what they do, there's a bit more details that have been given, but eventually then they decided uh, they settled on Sayyidina Yunus Islam. So what he did was that he cast himself overboard. He cast himself overboard. He also thought that maybe, maybe it's because that I've left my community that Allah SWT is sending this so to avert them from a disaster. So this is what all of you know and this is the story that's coming right shortly that uh, Allah SWT caused him to be swallowed by a whale. You can think like blue whale. Blue whale is the largest aquatic creature and in the museum in New York, they have a skeleton, mock skeleton to show you how large the blue whale is. It is massive. It's like bigger than this building. <laughs> That's how big it is. So the blue whale, so the whale, Allah, the whale swallowed him. But he remained alive in this belly, if you will, of this whale. Then in that, he engaged in the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? And this incident is mentioned in detail and actually it's not here. Not in Surah Yunus, interestingly enough, in Surah, however, in Surah 21, Surah Anbiya, verses 87 to 88, Surah Safat, Surah 37, verses 139 to 147, and Surah Noon, uh, Surah 68, verses 48 to 50. Alright? But as you know, he made istighfar, he made dua, right? La ilaha illa anta subhanaka inni kunta min al-zalameen. And then later than the well, whale expelled him or spat him out back onto the ground. Alright. That indeed know that if your Rabb had willed, all of those, that indeed each and every single person who was on earth would have believed. Each and every person would have believed. All of them. Jamia in entirety. 
Afa'anta tukrihun nasa hatta yakunu mu'minin. So then, are you going to force? Are you going to force people until they become believers? So this is also right. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala mentioning another reason why there's no compulsion in religion because Allah Taala's wish is not that you force everyone to believe. If Allah Taala had wanted that by force every single human on earth should become believer, He's saying I would have forced them to believe. So it's actually the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that human beings should be given a choice. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is well aware of the fact that the vast majority will make the choice to disbelieve. So no prophet should think that their mission is to make the entire earth believe by compulsion. And here the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And it is not possible for any soul, any person to believe except with the decree and the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَيَجْعَلُ الرِّجْسَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ لَا يَعْقِلُونَ And Allah SWT set an abomination and an impurity, which means kufr, on those people who do not possess sense. قُلِنْذُرُوا مَاذَا فِي السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ So look and reflect upon each and everything that is in the firmaments above and that is on the earth. And know that وَمَا تُغْنِ الْآيَاتُ وَالنُّذُرُوا and know that all the different signs that Allah SWT says وَالنُّذُرُ And all of the warnings and admonishments that will be sent, can be given. And قَوْمِ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ is not going to be of any benefit or any avail. Will not avail such a community at all. Which community? The community of people who don't believe. Alright. Are they simply waiting? إِلَّا مِثْلَ أَيَامِ الَّذِينَ خَلَوْ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ Are they simply waiting for the times to pass? Or they wish they're waiting for the times of those who came before them to come to them again. Go say to them, my beloved Mr. Sasan, Fantadiru fi go ahead, keep waiting. Inni ma'akum min al and I will also be amongst those who wait with you. Alright. Thus Munaji this is a very important ayah. ثُمَّ نُنَجِّي رُسُلَنَا وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا كَذَلِكَ And Allah says that indeed, we will save, send our salvation, rescue our prophets and messengers, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا and those who believe. So this shows that Allah Ta'ala has put الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا and Anbiya together in terms of His Naja'a, in terms of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala's salvation. حَقًّا alayna, And Allah Ta'ala says, and this is mandatory on me. Literally it means that Allah Ta'ala is saying, and this is mandatory on me to do so. But hakkan alayna nunjil mu'mineen. And it is indeed mandatory upon me to save and rescue the believers and to save the mu'mineen. Right? So what does this mean Allah Ta'ala? Initially it meant that when Allah Ta'ala's punishment comes, then Allah Ta'ala won't send the punishment on the Prophet also. And Allah Ta'ala won't send the punishment on the believers but the Prophet. But many times this ayah is recited that Allah Ta'ala said, Hakkan alayna nunjil mu'minin. That indeed Allah Ta'ala said that it is absolutely imperative on us. Allah Ta'ala has made it incumbent upon Himself. Allah Ta'ala has made it incumbent upon Himself. What? Nunjil mu'minin. That we shall rescue and save the believers. So now that a person should feel that as long as I can make myself amongst mu'minin, then Allah Ta'ala will give me nijaa from the azab of the fire of Jahannam. قُلْ يَا أَيْهُ النَّاسِ That say, O oh humanity, إِن كُنْتُمْ فِي شَكِّمْ مِنْ دِينِي That if you are in any doubt concerning my deen, so this is again now, this left the story of Sayyidina Muslim, back to the Prophet Say, Nabi Akrim Sallallahu to the people, that if you are in any doubt concerning my deen, then you should know, 
that I am not obeying, I'm not worshipping any of those things that you worship in that no instead however that I worship Allah subhanahu that same Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is going to take your lives and I have been commanded to be amongst the believers and I have also been commanded that I should be steadfast and I should orient my face which means I should orient myself that I should live my entire life for the deen Hanifa, and I should be doing it in such a way in pure and sincerity and oh all of you because I'm addressing the people that none of you Anas is addressing Anas and none of you should ever ever be amongst the Mushrikeen, you should never be amongst those who ascribe partners to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright. You should never make dua or call upon anyone other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That such you're calling upon such beings who can have cannot benefit you in any way. Who cannot harm you in any way. And if you were to still do so, if after me telling you to stop calling your idols, you still do so, فَإِنَّكَ إِذَمْ مِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ Then indeed you are nothing other than from amongst the wrongdoers and those who are unjust. وَإِنْ يَمْسَسْكَ اللَّهُ بِذُرِّنْ That know that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala offends any hardship or afflicts you with any adversity, فَلَا كَاشِفَ لَهُ إِلَّا هُ To know that there is no one who can take you out, who can uplift that, lift up that adversity, except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Himself. This is also a verse that can be recited when a person is afflicted with difficulty. That look, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have sent this difficulty beyond me, and there is no being except you who can take it away from me. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I want you to take this difficulty away from me. وَإِنْ يُرِدْكَ and if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does irada, if He intends any khair to come upon you, then there is no one who can avert His fuzzle and bounty and blessing and grace to come upon you. Right? What does this mean? This means if Allah ta'ala wants khair to you, this is absolute, this is for kamal nafi, absolute nafi, that there is no one, including a hasid, there is no one who can keep that khair from you, who can keep the fuzzle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from you, when Allah ta'ala intends to give that khair to you. Alright? Yusibu bihi man yasha'u min ibadihi. And Allah ta'ala sends his fuzzle, and he makes his fuzzle reach whomsoever he wills, but from whom min ibadihi, from his ibad. Again, it means we have to have ibadah, have to have ubudiyah to get this fuzzle from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa rahim. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all forgiving and is all merciful. Alright. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all forgiving and all merciful. Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning then two of his greatest fuzzles that come on his ibad. The first fuzzle that his ibad get is his maqfirah. And that means that they are forgiven for the sins they committed in this world. And the second fuzzle that his ibad get is his rahmah, that Allah Ta'ala out of his mercy lets them, admits them into Jannah, makes them enter into Jannah. Qul ya say my beloved Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, say to the people, Kajja'akum, 
that indeed the absolute truth and veracity has come to you from your Rabb. فَمَنِ اِحْتَدَى فَإِنَّمَا يَحْتَدِي لِنَفْسِي And whomsoever chooses to be guided by that has guided their own self and done so for the benefit of their own self. وَمَنْ ذَلَّا And whomsoever chooses to go straight after that. فَإِنَّمَا يَذِلُّ عَلَيْهَا Then that person who has only gone astray to their own detriment. وَمَا أَنَا عَلَيْكُمْ بِوَكِيلٌ And say to them, my beloved Messenger Son, that I am not been commissioned over you as a wakil, I am not been commissioned as a guardian over you, nor am I going to be liable for you, nor am I responsible for you. وَاتَّبِ مَا يُوحَى إِلَيْكَ And O Prophet Sallallahu follow that which has been revealed to you. وَاسْبِرْ And have be patient and persevere and endure. حَتَّى يَحْكُمُ اللَّهُ Until Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala renders His decision. وَهُوَ خَيْرُ الْحَاكِمِينَ And indeed Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best of deciders. Alright? So here, the rupt here is that, and this is where Surah Yunus, and the rupt here was that Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala was telling Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu that he should be patient, he should wait. Right? He shouldn't abandon, like Sayyidina Yunus salam, right? At one point then abandon his people, giving, thinking that there was no hope for them. Right? So Sayyidina Rasulullah is being told that don't think that this Yunus has been revealed and now you should also go to the coast and board a ship. Right? No, you should have sabr. You should wait and wait until Allah Ta'ala passes his decision. And indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the greatest of decision makers. Alright. Next surah, Surah Hud. Surah Hud is also a Makki surah, and therefore it's also going to be talking about these basic articles of faith, especially the oneness in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the notion of Tawheed. The story of Sayyidina Hud salam is going to be mentioned in verses 50 to 60, and obviously the surah is named after those ayat. Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to begin this surah by mentioning why a prophet is sent. And mentioning clearly that a prophet is sent both as a warner, as a warner to admonish people, and also a prophet is sent to give good news to the believers. But the bulk of this surah is going to focus on the warning aspect. The bulk of this surah is going to focus on the warning aspect of the nubuat of the Anbiya, the warning aspect of the prophecy of the Anbiya. And it's also going to mention, and how are people going to be warned, by highlighting a specific thing, one particular thing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala watches over everything and is all aware of everything that people do. So this is going to come in verses 5 to 6 and 100 to 112 and 123 of the surah. And then Allah ta'ala is also going to mention many stories of previous prophets and these stories also are meant to warn the disbelievers, to warn the disbelievers and also to strengthen the heart of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ألف لام را. Here again, right? We've mentioned before. These are huruf and makatat. كتاب أحكمت آياته ثم فصلت من لدن حكيم خبير. Again, so the rabbit here is Allah Taala's mentioning that this is a kitab. This is a scriptural revelation that's being revealed, right? أحكمت آياته that these is a book whose verses have been uh, have been made uhkimat have been made firm and strong. Its verses have been made strong and firm mazboot. Thumma fusilat and then the, the verses of this book have been expounded and expanded upon and clarified. Min ladun hakim in khabir by whom 
from the from minjanib min ladun means minjanib from such a being who is hakim who is all wise and al khabir who is all aware right so the khabir part again that is the warning and admonishment that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all aware so number one that Allah ta'ala's hakim is all wise that this book contains wisdom itself the embodiment of wisdom and Allah ta'ala is all aware of everything that we may do either in accordance with that wisdom or everything that we may do that goes against that wisdom Alright. And what is it? The first explanation Allah ta'budu illallah. That you should not worship any being except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Inna ni lakum minhu nadirum wa bashir. And indeed know that I am from you and I am for lakum minhu. I'm for you and from him. I'm for you and I'm from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what am I? I'm a nadir. I'm a warner for you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I'm a bashir. I'm a bringer of good tidings to you, to you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَنَسْتَغْفِرُوا رَبَّكُمْ And that seek forgiveness from Allah, from your Rabb. ثُمَّ تُوبُوا إِذَيْهِ And then you should make Tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. يُمَتِّكُمْ مَتَاءً حَسَنًا And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will then grant you a comfortable life إِلَىٰ أَجْلٍ مُسَمَّى Until an appointed hour. وَيُؤْتِ كُلَّ ذِي فَصْلٍ and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give every person who does something, every person who brings fuzzle and respect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah ta'ala will bestow and grant upon him his uh, favor. Right? So what does it mean? It's simply everybody who does good deeds, whomsoever does any good deeds, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send upon him the reward of those good deeds. When tawallu, however, if you spurn this call, if you turn away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, فَإِنِّي أَخَافُ alaykum. So this is Nabiya Kareem Sassam, that indeed I fear أَخَافُ alaykum أَذَابَ يَوْمٍ kabir that I feel for you the punishment of that tremendous day. I feel for you, I fear for you, the punishment of that tremendous day. And what is the nature of that day? إِلَى اللَّهِ مَرْجِئُكُمْ That on that day each and every one of you shall be returned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. kadir, And He is powerful over each and everything. And therefore He is powerful to resurrect you and make you return to Him. Alright. So here this is the khulasa, if you will. This is the beginning of the statements that Nabi Kareem Sassam would make to people when he would be inviting them to the deen of Islam. Alright. Allah innahum yathnuna sudurahum. And then Allah SWT says, but look, you should be well, know well. That literally means they bend their chest so that they may hide from Him. So they may hide from, they're trying to hide from Allah SWT. Allah hina yastalshuna thiyabahum. And then what do they do? That Do they know that then they, when they wear their, when they cover themselves up with clothes, Allah SWT knows. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah ta'ala knows that which they conceal and that which we dis- that which that which they disclose innahu alimun bidhat sudur indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has knowledge over each and every single thing that is in their hearts the shanun nuzul of this said that there were some mushrikeen of makkah makarma who used to turn away from the prophet sallallahu we did this actually this also came earlier as well they would try not to be with him. And if they were with him, they would try to turn away from him. And if verses of revelation were recited by him at that moment, they would try to avert their listening and their hearing. They would try to avert their attention from that. So much so sometimes they would literally end up bending their body or bending their chest away from him. Or they would gather their clothing around them right closely. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about 
this and saying that Allah Ta'ala knows what they do and Allah Ta'ala has knowledge. He is alimun bidat al-sudur. He has the most intense form of knowledge. He is all-knowing about each and everything that lies in the breasts and the hearts of people. Some comments on these first five verses. First one, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was telling the Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that if they worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then what will they get? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, after a person makes istighfar and tawbah, وَأَنِ اسْتَغْفِرُوا رَبَّكُمْ ثُمَّ تُوبُوا إِلَيْهِ يُمَتِّعْكُمْ مَتَاءً حَسَنًا إِلَىٰ أَجْلٍ مُسَمَّةً That after you make, seek Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness and you make tawbah to Him, that Allah Ta'ala will bestow upon you a comfortable life. He will give you some sustenance, some comfort. Now what does this mean? Now this is not saying necessarily that the Spantah is going to give people of istighfar and tawbah abundant wealth. What is talking about the comfort here, the ease here, is talking about itminan al When a person leads a life that is sin-free, they get a life that is worry-free. And when a person is leading a life that is full of sin, their life ends up being full of worries. So when a person makes themselves sin-free through the process of istighfar and tawbah, then they become worry-free, then they enjoy life. They can enjoy the small things in life. They're able to enjoy and be happy and content with even small bounties and blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends upon them. Right? So we just wanted to make that clear. That it doesn't mean that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to send uh, abundant risk on people. It just meant that Allah ta'ala will let them enjoy life Enjoy the enjoyment of having a sin-free, worry-free life. وَمَا مِن دَابَةٍ فِي الْأَرْضِ إِلَّا عَلَى اللَّهِ رِزْقُهَا Very famous ayah of Quran al-Karim that there is no creature that walks the face of this earth except that Allah Ta'ala has taken it upon Himself. Allah Ta'ala has made it incumbent upon Himself. Allah Ta'ala has taken the responsibility, رِزْقُهَا to send the sustenance and nourishment for that creature. And this is one of Allah Ta'ala's attributes. He is Allah He is that being who ultimately completely sends all sustenance and nourishment to all creatures on earth. وَيَعْلَمُ مُسْتَقَرَّهَا And Allah Ta'ala knows. Allah Ta'ala knows where they are residing. Some also say that Allah Ta'ala knows their wombs. And uh, let's see how he has translated this. Okay, Allah Ta'ala knows its permanent place. Wa mustaw and Allah Ta'ala knows its temporary place. Some have translated this also that Allah Ta'ala knows its womb, knows its point of origin. Wa mustaw and Allah Ta'ala knows its time of death, knows its term of expiry. Means that in order to be able to give risk, Allah Ta'ala knows when they will first need, start needing risk, that starts from conception, the time of the womb, until when they will no longer need risk, and that means at the moment they pass away. Alright? Kullun fi kitabim mubin, and all of this is clearly inscribed, right? Is inscribed in a clear, in a clear and manifest tablet. Being who has created all of the heavens and the firmaments and the realms that lie above and the realm on this earth in six days. Now, what happens is that when did Allah Subhanahu do this? So before He created the earth, his throne was on water. 
Literally it's saying, وَكَانَ أَرْشُهُ عَلَى الْمَاءِ His throne was on water. I'll come back and explain what this means in a moment. لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ amala. And Allah Ta'ala did all of this so that He may test and by means of that test identify which one of you is أَحْسَنُ amala, that which one of you is the best and the most noble and the most virtuous in terms of your deeds and actions. وَلَئِنْ قُلْتَ إِنَّكُمْ مَبْعُثُونَ that also indeed, surely if you say, Indeed, إِنَّكُمْ مَبْعُثُونَ مِنْ بَعْدِ الْمَوْتِ Indeed, you will be resurrected after you die. لَيَكُولَنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا Then the ones who disbelieve will simply respond to you, إِنْ هَذَا إِلَّا سِحْرُ مُبِينَ That this is nothing other than clear and manifest magic. Alright. Let's now... Alright, so one way this is translated that Allah Ta'ala knows their permanent abode and temporary abode was Allah Ta'ala knows their womb and Allah Ta'ala knows the time they will die. A second meaning is that Allah Ta'ala knows where a person normally resides and Allah Ta'ala will know any time where a person may be. He's not restricted to sending risk to a person on their home, which is their permanent home, but he, or permanent abode, but he also knows every place that it may end up, all creatures on earth, wherever they may be walking on that earth, Allah Ta'ala knows where they will be situated and where they will be placed, and Allah Ta'ala can send them risk anywhere that they are. It also means that then a person will not die until a person has completed their risk. Until a person has completed the risk in terms of their earnings or in terms of also in terms of their eatings means every single person will receive their full, full due in this world what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has intended for them. Now what you have here this notion about the throne being on, arsh being on the water. First thing that you can understand from this is that clearly Allah ta'ala created his arsh and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created ma'a water before he created the samawat and the earth. And this also does resonate with science because they say that water is the source of all life. So there is a notion then that water would pre-exist much of creation that has life in it. So here Allah Ta'ala is also saying that, right? In this indication that water was there before. What does it mean that the arsh was on the water? Now it doesn't literally mean, right, that there's a throne and it's sitting on the Atlantic Ocean or some body of water and then after Allah Ta'ala makes the whole universe then He lifts that arsh up and then he expands that arsh up to become even more than the kursi. And then that whole kursi is... Ex- and then he expands that arsh to include the whole kursi and expands that kursi to include all of it. What does it mean? It's simply suggesting here. And I mentioned to you before that arsh is a metaphor for Allah's sovereignty and His dominion. So it suggests that first Allah Ta'ala created water and then He applied His sovereignty and dominion to that water and from that He then He created all of the samawat and the ard, all of the realms that lie above and this earth from His sovereignty and dominion over that water. So it means it didn't come on its own, it took the power of Allah Subhanahu to bring life and creation out from water so that power of Allah Subhanahu and is 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 being represented by the arsh and Allah Ta'ala focusing that power on water to make water the source of all life that is being referred to in terms of the arsh being situated on the water. Okay, then Allah Ta'ala said that in this whole purpose of creating all of this was that so we would be tested to see who performs noble deeds. So what does it mean? It means that number one 
that all of creation has been made for humanity. All of it. All of the galaxies, galaxy clusters, black holes, supernovas, red dwarfs, solar system, this planet, all of it has just a stage for the main actor on that stage, which is insan. All of this was a stage made so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may test insan. How is insan tested? Insan is tested, number one, by whether he or she reflects on this natural creation or not. Insan is tested, number two, that Allah ta'ala gives them fa'alhamaha, fajuraha, wa taqwaha. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspires them with that which is corrupt and an inclination and understanding and an urge and impulse of evil and also inspires them when the urge and impulse and inclination and understanding of that which is taqwa, that which is sound and that which is righteous. Alright. Then this notion of the best deeds. So this is also something that Allah SWT is making in the shara that we should have ahsan amal. So sometimes it's not just about the quantity of deed, it's also about the quality of deed. And this, how does a person make their amal ahsan? It's called adab. That whenever you do anything, if you do it according to the adab of that act, then that act will become more and more ahsan. It will have more and more... Husn in it, it will have more and more beauty and nobility and virtue and excellence in it. So that is why Nabi Karim Sallallahu taught a lot of adab. In fact, in one hadith, Nabi Karim Sallallahu said, "Adinu kulluhu adab." That deen, sara kasara adab hi kanam. That deen, all and all of it is adab. This is why Imam Al Bukhari, Taala, he made one collection of hadith called Al Jami Al Sahih, in which he tried to gather hadith on all of the topics on the Sunnah. And then he had a separate book just on adab. It's called Al-Adab Al-Mufrat. Right? This book that is dedicated solely and exclusively to gathering all the ahadith and adab. And alhamdulillah, it's been translated into Urdu and it's also been translated into English and I have two copies upstairs. So that you can learn adab. Right? This is another great khidmat that Imam Bukhari did for this ummah that all the hadith that pertain to adab that a person should be able to get, see them in one place. Alright? So the more and more we have adab, the more and more asan our amal would be. That also shows you one of the functions of the sunnah. So the Quran mentions what amal you should do. What are the adab of salah that you have to find from the Prophet? What are the adab of giving zakat? So much so that Nabi Akram Sallallahu that even though you're giving zakat, your hand should be on the bottom. You should give it like this and the person who's taking it there and should be on top. You shouldn't put your hand on top and give it to the person lest there be any feeling of kibber or ujub that comes in you. This is our Nabi Akram Sallallahu He taught us adab. He taught us adab so that we could pass this test. So that we could have the most ahsan amal. The most ahsan amal. And obviously... The most ahsan one is Sayyidina Rasulullah himself. So not only just teach it, but he also taught us by example. The life that he lived, his Sirat al-Mubarakah, his Hayat al-Tayyibah, is also full of adab. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he talks about the Prophet in Quran al-Kareem, says that the Prophet is on khuluqun adheem, that the Prophet is on the most adheem akhlaq, is on the most greatest, uh, ta- greatest uh, characteristics. Alright. Now let's continue. Where was I? 
Right. Okay. And then, so the last thing was that it owed the Prophet Sallallahu that when you when you tell them that they will be resurrected after death, they will say that this is simply just magic. All right. وَلَئِنْ أَخَلْنَا أَنْهُمُ الْأَذَابِ إِلَّا أُمَّةٍ مَأْذُورَةٍ لَيَكُولُنَّ مَا يَحْبِسُهُ أَلَا يَوْمَ يَأْتِيهِمْ لَيْسَ مَصْرُوفًا Alright, here Allah SWT is saying that indeed if we were to delay the punishment from them, if we were to postpone the punishment from them even for just one day, they didn't be interested for a little while, even for even a little while, then what would they say? What would they say? They would simply say that what is it? Ma yahbisuhu? What is it that is holding back? What is it that is holding back this punishment from us? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that Allah, that indeed they should be weary and they should behold. Yawma yatihim, that they should behold that day when the punishment yatihim will come upon them, when it will afflict them. Laysa masrufan anhum, that there will be nothing that can divert it from them. And all of those things that they used to mock and they used to disbelieve and they used to belittle, all of that will come and they will be afflicted by it. They will be besieged and engulfed. They will be besieged and engulfed by all of those things that they used to mock and they used to disbelieve in. Now we're here now on Surah Hud, Surah number 11, we have reached verse number 9. Alright? Yes. That indeed if we were to allow human beings, if we were to allow, if we were to grant a taste of the rahmatam min'ah, of the mercy from us to insan. And what would insan say? And if we were to grant them a taste of our mercy, and then we were to snatch that mercy away from insan, then what would happen? Innu layausun kafur. That indeed that person would become mayus, what you say mayus, would become despair and despondent and distressed. And kafurun, then that person would become ungrateful. That person would deny the mercy and deny the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in that if we were to let them taste and experience bounties and blessings after making them experience adversity and difficulty and hardship, then what would they say? After adversity and hardship afflicted him, what would they say? That they would say, Oh, look, all of my hardships and all of my difficulties have indeed left me, have gone away from me. And then what would he do? That indeed he would become boastful and arrogant. He would become boastful and arrogant. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not send just one particular type of condition on a person. This is why Allah ta'ala changes the conditions on people. Sometimes out of His mercy, He sends His fuzzle upon them. And sometimes to test them, Allah ta'ala also sends some difficulty and trial and tribulation on them. Now, who are the ones who get boastful when Allah ta'ala sends their fuzzle on them? Who are the ones who get boastful and arrogant when Allah Ta'ala sends His netma, His bounties and blessings on them? Everyone is like that except illa sabaru, except those who have sabr, those who have patience and fortitude, wa amilus salihat, and those who continue and do righteous actions. 
So this suggests that if a person is not a person who does a'mal as-salih, who does not engage in worship and good deeds, then the bounties and blessings of this world, we can read this mean the wealth and riches of this world, are going to make a person boastful and arrogant. And we find that in this world, that you will find a person whom Allah Ta'ala has given his bounty and blessings, but that person does not engage in ibadah and a'mal salih and that person does not have sabr, then sometimes it leads, it ends up in that person becoming boastful and arrogant. So those people who do have sabr and do a'mal salih أُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمْ مَغْفِرَةٌ وَأَجْرٌ كَبِيرٌ And indeed for all such people there is a tremendous forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and an enormous reward. An enormous reward. So this suggests that if a person, Allah Ta'ala has given them bounty and blessings and riches on this earth, if along with that they could just have sabr, and they could still do sabr for them, means they could persevere and they could be steadfast in amal salih So then for that person, Allah Ta'ala has prepared a maghfirah for any of the lapses and slips and sins they may fall into, and a ajrun kabir, and a tremendous reward for them. So this is the ayah that the upper classes should read. That Allah Ta'ala has warned us in this ayah in Surah Hud, Surah 11, verses 10-11, that Allah Ta'ala has warned us from falling into boastfulness and arrogance. And Allah Ta'ala has also told us that even He has given us a lot in this world, but He will give us an ajr kabir, He is going to give us a tremendous reward in the akhirah and a forgiveness in the akhirah if only we can remain steadfast on the good deeds and remain steadfast in our worship and in our ibadah. Alright, verse number 12. So is it then not possible that you, Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam, that you should become tarukun ba'dama yuha ilayka, that can it not be possible that you leave, you leave and ignore portions or some of the commandments that have been revealed to you, wadha'ikun bihi, and that your heart, uh, your heart becomes grieved thereby, وَذَائِكُمْ بِهِ صَدْرُكَ That your breast and your heart becomes grieved thereby. And يَقُولُوا لَوْ لَا أُنزِلَ عَلَيْهِ كَنْزٌ That because of what? Because of the, what the disbelievers say. That why is a kanz, why is not a treasure of wealth also sent down to him? Or وَجَاءَ مَعَهُ مَلَكٌ Why does an angel come down with him? إِنَّمَا أَنْتَ النَّذِيرِ Don't worry. So now, end quote, now Allah SWT tells about some innama anta nadirun that don't worry you are just a warner. Wallahu ala kulli shay'in wakil and Allah SWT has control over all things. To Allah SWT lies the command over all things. Allah SWT will be the one who takes care of everything. Am yakuluna or is it that they say iftarahu that they say that he has made it up. That's what they say about the he's making this stuff up. There's no revelation, there's no angel, there's no Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's making this stuff up. And that's what all of the atheists and orientalists today, what they view about Qur'an. That it's a product of the Prophet himself, that he made it up himself. Qul, so you should tell all such people who say this, فَأْتُوا بِأَشْرِ سُوَرِمْ مِثْلِهِ That bring ten surahs like it. In another ayah, Allah ta'ala says, bring one surah like it. Elsewhere, Allah ta'ala says, so the, Allah ta'ala has given a greater challenge here. Bring ten surahs like it. Then Allah Ta'ala even gave an easier challenge, bring one surah like it. And even that they weren't able to do. So bring ten surahs like it. Muftarayatu. And then, and then you, what you should do, bring ten surahs that are like thereof, but your surahs will be what? Muftarayat. The things that you made up yourself. So bring ten, if you think this is made up, then bring ten made up surahs like it. Because you can't make up a surah like it because this isn't made up. 
That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying. That if you think, if you want to say that this is made up, then bring ten made up surahs like it. And you can ask anyone for help from other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if indeed you are truthful and your false idols and your false gods also exist. And if all of your false idols and the people you call upon don't... Oh, sorry. If they don't... Old Prophet if they if the mushrikeen don't respond to this challenge, if they don't respond to your call, then... That you should be completely assured and you should know that this has been revealed according to the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that there's no being worthy of worship, no deity, no God except for Him. So will you not then become people who submit? Will you not then become people who submit and who accept the deen of Islam? Alright. This, by the way, we did this before in Surah Baqarah, verse 23. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that they should just bring one surah. Even that challenge they were not able to do. Man kana yuridul hayat dunya. And whomsoever desires the life of this world. Wa zinataha. And the zinat of this world. As opposed to the zinat of the akhirah. Right? Zinat means the beauty, splendor, attraction, right? Enjoyments of this world. So that person نُوَفِّ إِلَيْهِمْ أَعْمَالُهُمْ فِيهَا وَهُمْ فِيهَا لَا وَهُمْ فِيهَا لَا يُبْخَسُونَ And they, okay, that we will grant them نُوَفِّ إِلَيْهِمْ That we will give each and every one of them the recompense for every single amal that they do فِيهَا in this very world itself وَهُمْ فِيهَا لَا يُبْخَسُونَ And they will not be wronged in this world so again, this is mentioning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying in Quran that anybody who does any amal for the sake of this world, they will get the sawab in this world. So we mentioned this to you as well, that this, is, this explains why an atheist who does good in terms of morality, but is absolutely zero in terms of his spirituality, well due to their good morality, Allah ta'ala may give them a happy married life, may give them children, may give them health, may give them success, may give them career, may give them the accomplishments that they sought. Maybe they sought a particular promotion, wanted to make a particular invention, wanted to write a particular book. Allah ta'ala gives all of that in this world. Right? And therefore they will not be wrong, la yubhasun, they will not be wronged in any way, because they believed in this world only, they lived for this world only, they aspired for this world only, so when they come to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then what will they get in terms of the akhirah? Ula'ika ladina laysa lahum fil akhirati illa nar. That they are people that in terms of the akhirah they will have nothing. Everything they will get will be in this world, and in the hereafter they will have nothing other than the fire of Jahannam. Wahhabita masana ufiha, and whatever they used to do in the world will be entirely lost to them. and all of their deeds will be in vain, all of their deeds will be null and void. In terms of any having any value in the akhirah. They won't have any value in the akhirah. فَمَنْ كَانَ عَلَىٰ بَيِّنَةٍ مِّنْ رَبِّهِ And whomsoever, however, on the other hand, whomsoever is Allah is steadfast on the bayina is steadfast on bayina means Qur'an al-Kareem, but it can also mean the clear and manifest proof that Allah Ta'ala has sent. But some of us will say that bayina is the Qur'an al-Kareem itself, right? Uh, that has come to the مِنْ رَبِّهِ from his Rabb. وَيَطْلُوهُ and that he recites it, Shahidum minhu, 
and he is a witness uh, that he recites it as a witness uh, and then he recites it as a witness for and before it was the scripture of Sayyidina Musa Islam, Imamu wa Rahma. And what was the other Sayyidina Musa Islam or the book was an Imam and was a Rahma. So Imam here means leader, right? That the book of Musa Islam was a leader and the book of Sayyidina Musa Islam was a guide. So what does that mean? That Torah was their Imam. So that means for us then Quran should be our Imam, right? The Quran al-Kareem is our Imam, is our leader and our guide, and a rahmah is a mercy for us. Ulaika yu'minu nabihi. So these are those who believe in it. Wamayyakfur bihi. However, whosoever disbelieves in it, min al-ahzabi fanaru mawiduhu. So whomsoever disbelieves in it, and whichever of who, and min al-ahzab azab you did, or is coming later, surah al-ahzab means the groups. And whichever groups disbelieve in it, so what will they have? Then the fire of Jahannam will be their ultimate promised abode. Mo'iduhu means the abode that has been promised to them. Fala takufi miryatim minhu. So don't let yourself be in any doubt concerning this revelation. Innahul haqqu mirabbika. Indeed, this revelation is absolute haqq from your Rabb. Walakinna akthana nasi la yu'minun. But indeed, the vast majority of humanity will not take iman in it. The vast majority la yu'minun. The vast majority of human beings will choose not to be Believers. Alright. Okay, verses 18 onwards. Oman Azlamu, that who is there who is more wrong and more unjust than that person who fabricates lies against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Ulaika yu'radhuna ala rabbihim. Ulaika yu'radhuna ala rabbihim. That these people will be presented in front of their Rabb. Muyukulu. وَيُكُولُ الْأَشْحَادُ هَأُولَاءِ الَّذِينَ كَذَبُوا And then all of the witnesses will come and will testify against them that look, these are those people who used to lie about their Rabb, who used to fabricate lies regarding their Rabb. Allah لَعْنَةُ اللَّهِ الظَّالِمِينَ Indeed, beware and behold that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala repudiates and casts outside of His mercy all of those who are unjust wrongdoers. And who are these zalimin? الَّذِينَ يُسُدُونَ سَبِيلَ اللَّهِ The ones who prevent people from the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَيَبْغُونَهَا إِوَجَهُ And they seek to make the path that leads to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala twisted and crooked. They seek to alter it. And that's one way also they seek to create deviance and deviation in it. And that's one way they keep people from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there are also people who disbelieve and deny in the Akhirah. And such people are not going to be able to foil Allah Ta'ala's plan on earth in any way whatsoever. وَمَا كَانَ لَهُمْ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ مِنْ And they do not have other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala any supporter, any friend, any ally. يُضَاءَفُ لَهُمُ الْأَذَابِ And Allah ta'ala says that their punishment will be doubled and that we did that ayah for you before. That the punishment will be doubled for them. مَا كَانُوا يَسْتَتِيُونَ السَّمْأَةِ وَمَا كَانُوا يُبْسِرُونَ And there they will not, they were not able to hear nor would they see. They will have neither the ability to hear nor see. They will be lost in the azab so deeply. They will not even be able to see from whence forth, from where that azab is coming. They will not be able to hear even from where that azab is coming. 
And these are the people who have entered into a state of complete and utter loss and ruin. Right? They have brought ruin to their own selves. They brought ruin to their own selves. And all of the lies that they used to say, all of that has also been lost to them, has vanished and disappeared, is of no benefit to them. Even they won't be able to retain. It means that their kufr, even they will lose their kufr. They will even lose their kufr in Jannah. What they held on to so dearly was their disbelief and what they held on so dearly was the lies that they fabricated against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even that will be lost to them in Jahannam. Alright. لَا جَنَمَ أَنَّهُمْ فِي الْآخِرَةِ هُمُ الْأَخْسَرُونَ So akhsar is an intensive form of khasirun that there is no doubt whatsoever that on, in, in the akhirah they will be the worst, the most, the people who are in the worst loss in the state of the worst ruin, the most terrible of losers. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ Indeed, those who believe and do righteous deeds. وَخْبَتُوا إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ And they humble themselves before their Rabb. أُولَٰئِكَ أَصْحَابُ الْجَنَّةِ These are the companions of Jannah, whom فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ And they will dwell therein forever. Okay, now the Sama'at is going to mention an example. The example is this here, that example of two groups. The first group is the Kafir, and the second group is the Mu'min. These are the two groups that were the first individual is the kafir and the second is the mu'min. These are the two that Allah Ta'ala has just described. So now Allah Ta'ala asks, can the two ever be equated? Is there any force that can equate these two? No. They can never ever be equated. Morality cannot bring them together. So the moral atheist and the moral believer, they may find common ground in their morality, but they will never be equal to one another. There is nothing that can make them equivalent and uh, equivalent to one another. So, مَثَلُ الْفَرِكَيْنِ كَالْأَعْمَالِ وَالْأَصَمِّ وَالْبَسِيرِ وَالْسَمِيرِ is like the likeness of one hand, the person who is blind, right? And the person who is deaf. And on the other hand, the person who can see and who can hear. So, the first category was the unbeliever. They are like the person who is blind and deaf. And the believer is like the one who can see and can hear. هَلْ يَسْتُوِيَانِ مَثَلَ That can the two ever be viewed as equivalent? أَفَلَا تَذَكَّرُونَ That are you not people who reflect? Don't you realize that these two things, iman and kufr, can never ever be the same? Alright, back to the story of Sayyidina Nuhul Islam. So Sayyidina Nuhul is going to make a long dialogue here with his people and then he's going to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he's going to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. Alright, this is quite easy. This is verse number, verses number 25 onwards. Okay, alright. وَلَكَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا نُوحًا إِلَىٰ And we sent Sayyidina Nuhul to his people. And what did he say to them? He said that, Oh my community, indeed, I'm a clear warner to you, Nadir Mubin. And what I'm a warning you, Allah ta'abudu illa Allah, that you should not worship anyone except for Allah SWT. إِنِّي أَخَافُ وَذِكُمْ عَذَابِ يَوْمِ الْعَلِيمِ That I fear for you the punishment, I fear for you a tremendous punishment on Yomin Alim, that the day will also be painful for you. On a painful day, on a tortuous day. I mean, the day will also be alim for those people who are going to receive an alam al-alim. However, that from his community, those tribal leaders who disbelieved in him, what they did say to him, that we consider you to be illa bashana, we don't view you to be anything other than us. Now also you should realize that many times people say this about prophets. People say the same thing about awliya, ulama, sulaha. Right? This is the, the sanad of this, this statement that they're human and we're human. 
And this notion, and this is a thing, by the way, I will tell you that atheists, agnostics, secular liberal progressives, reformists, modernists, they, this is a common ploy they use. And what is it? They try to highlight the fallibility of the human being, and they use that to get their way. Now you have to understand that yes, a human being is fallible. But number one, the anbiya, they're infallible. Number one, the anbiya is infallible. No possibility of error. Number two, the Qur'an al-Kareem is infallible. No possibility of error. Number three, now when we're not talking about individual ulama and awliya, but collective ulama and awliya, they're also infallible. When the collective ijtihad of an ummah is on a particular ruling, that collective ijtihad is infallible. Otherwise, next time you fly plane, you should tell PIA that, well, how do you know? It's been checked. And you say, well, our engineers and maintenance crew checked. It's a Vobian sonnet. It went through a number of them. And because a number of them checked it, right, then eventually when you have a plurality of numbers, when it's not one fard, one individual human, but when you have collectives, groups of human beings, all verifying and certifying something, then you can say now it's certified. It's verified, right? You know that Nestle water doesn't have Najasa in it. Right? You don't say Wobi and Sane, right? You don't say like that. But people do that when it comes to deen, and they say that especially, they say that when it comes to matters of Sharia about Fuqaha. Right? So there are some people like that, even in Lahore, who are misguided. And they say, they'll say Imam Munifa, and all of the Hanifa ulama, so that's what we're talking about, tens and thousands of ulama, who have checked, verified, and certified as ijtihad, and have sometimes even refined and upgraded as ijtihad, over, over a thousand years. Tens and thousands of ulama fuqaha have done this over a thousand years. Yes, we can say now that it's not fallible. It's not prone to error because it's gone through so many checks and balances, so much scrutiny, right? And so this nisbat of those who like to say that, right, they're just insan. So this is actually what people, kuffar, used to say to anbiya. Ma naraka illa basharam mithlana. That we don't view you, you're nothing other than a human like ourselves. So here, getting back to now this Quran, verse 27, Surah Hud. So this is what the, the leaders of the community of Sayyidina Nulasam said to him. That you are nothing other than, right? Uh, you, we view you and consider you and we, you seem to be a human just like us. Wama naraka tabaaka illa ladhina hum aradhiluna. And we don't see that only the people who follow you, look, the people who follow you are not other than the lower classes. That's what they mean. The lower classes, the lower economic, they're just looking in terms of socioeconomic class. This is also a thing, that youth follow deen and the poor follow deen. If you want to find deen also for us, you will find deen in the poor of this ummah, and you will find deen in the youth of this ummah. Yes, believe it or not. <laughs> Even though there may be many youth that you, we may see in schools and universities who are distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will find the ability to follow deen in softness towards deen, in the poor of this ummah and in the youth of this ummah. And this was true, we saw the youth ayah earlier, and now we're seeing the poor ayah today. Right? And it also shows, right, that sometimes people who have a bit of arrogance and pride, they don't want, right, they don't want to pray Jummah where what in fencing is called the hoi polloi, where the ordinary masses. They don't want to mingle with the ordinary masses, right? And we don't see, there's no fuzzle. We don't see any great merit in you over us. We don't see any fuzzle, any consideration that you are better than us at all. 
Banu, however, in fact, nazunnukum kathibin, in fact, we deem all of you to be liars. So call the Sayyidina Muslim respond to people, the Roma community. What is it? Tell me. Right? Oh my community, what is it that you see or tell me? Yaqomi ara'aytum in kuntu ala bayyinatim min rabbi. That don't you see that indeed I am on a clear and manifest proof from my Rabb. وَأَتَانِي رَحْمَةً مِنْ إِنْدِهِ And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that He has bestowed me a mercy from His own behalf, from His own self. From His own self. However, right, He showed me a mercy that is unseen to you, that is hidden from you. فَأُمِّيَتْ alaykum That is unseen, that is hidden from you. So that is the fuzzle. And what is that mercy? That was wahi. What was that mercy that Allah Ta'ala gave to Nuh alayhi salam that he didn't give to people? That was wahi. And that wahi is something that is unseen to people. Anulzimukumuha. This is one of the famous seekers in Sarf. Anulzimukumuha wa antum laha karihun. And can we force it upon you when you are disliking it, when you disapprove it, when you have karat for it, when you are averse it? So we can't impose it upon you by force when you are averse. Oh my people, I don't ask you for any money, any wealth. My reward, same thing. In ajriya illa Allah, that indeed my reward and compensation is only with with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. ana, and I am not amongst the people, bitaradilladina amanu, and I'm not the one who could, literally means who can discard and do away with the believers. I'm not one who can discard and do away with the believers. Innuhum mulaku rabbihim. And indeed they will surely, the believers surely meet their rabb. Walakinni arakum kawman tajhulun. However, I am seeing them and deeming them to be, deeming you arakum, I'm viewing you to be a kawman, a community tajhulun, that is instead chosen to be ignorant, has chosen ignorance. Alright. So what does this mean? That I cannot discard the believers. So Sayyidina Muhammad was saying that you're upset that the people who follow me are poor. I can't discard them. They're mu'mineen. You think I'm going to give them up just because they're poor so that you can be more content and happy and view this as a deen for rich people? He says, no, I won't be able to do that. وَيَقَوْمِ And O my people, who is it that will assist me min Allahi? Who will assist me against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in taradduhum if I was to discard them? أَفَلَا تَتَذَكَّرُونَ And will you not take heed in punishment? وَلَا أَقُولُ لَكُمْ إِنْدِي خَزَائِنُ اللَّهِ And I don't even say to you that I possess and I retain the treasures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلَا أَعْلَمُ الْغَيْبَ And I don't say that I have knowledge of the unseen. وَلَا أَقُولُ إِنِّي مَلَكٌ Nor do I tell you that I'm an angel. وَلَا أَقُولُ لِلَّذِينَ تَزْدَرِي أَعْيُنُكُمْ and nor do I say, and I cannot say concerning those whom you look down upon, in other words, you are looking down upon the poor, I cannot tell you about them that Allah Ta'ala is not going to grant them good. Allah Ta'ala will grant them good. Okay, and Allah Ta'ala knows best Allahu A'lamu bimafi anfusihim, and Allah Ta'ala knows best what is in themselves, i.e. Allah knows the iman that they have inside of them. Alright? And indeed that if I was if I was to discard them, and if I was to discard them upon your wanting me to disavow the poor, then indeed I will be I would become amongst the wrongdoers, I would become amongst the oppressors. Alright. Very similar thing, right, that the Mushrikeen of Makkah also felt about Sayyidina Rasulullah. 
In fact, once he went to Medina Manawara, they were even more loath to believe in him because they felt that this is now a prophet who the Quraysh aren't following, but the Aus and Khazraj of Medina are following, and we are the Quraysh of Makkah Right? So you find people have disobeyed prophets and disbelieved in prophets in similar ways throughout history. And part of the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends these different stories down in Quran al-Kareem was to soothe the Prophet sallallahu to let to comfort what we call to give sukun to the Prophet to let him know that similar things and in fact far graver things have befallen prophets before you. And again, none of those prophets ever had a group like your sahaba who I have given to you. In fact, none of those previous prophets even had one the like of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq none of them even had the like of that one Sahaba that we have given you alright they said to so they said to uh, so we are here on verse number 32 they said O Nuh you have disputed with us and debated with us and you have argued with us a great extent now what we want is that we want you to bring forth what you promised us. Bring that, that promised punishment, if indeed, in kuntam in sadiqin, if indeed you were amongst the truthful ones. So call us Sayyidina Nuhul Islam, that look, innama ya'tikum bihillah, that only Allah SWT will bring that upon you, insha'Allah, whenever and if He so wills, wa ma'antum bimu'jizin, but know that when He does decide to do it, you will never be able to foil His will, and you will never be able to escape that decree. وَلَا يَنْفَأَكُمْ nushi. And my advice to you, right? My advice to you will not have any benefit to you. My good counsel to you will not have any benefit to you at all. As long as you choose to remain on kufr. Even if, even if, in an Even if I intend to advise and counsel you, it will not have any benefit for you. It will not have any benefit for you if... Uh, in kana Allahu yuridu ayn yughwikum If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wishes that for you to go astray If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intends that you go astray None of my nasiha will be of any benefit to you at all So it means that I will stop debating with you And discussing with you Because it's clear that you are people who does not want to be admonished Who does not want to be guided Who are rabbukum But know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He is your rabb also and each and every single one of you will be returned to him. So again, remember Sayyidina Nusam was alive for 950 years. So this where Allah SWT, where they were saying, right? فَأَكْثَرْتَ That you have been engaging us and debating with us and disputing with us and arguing us for a long period of time. Again, it may mean that 950 years, right? And if we assume that the others, the other people, because in all likelihood there's nothing to suggest that the other people live that long. So it means that, oh yeah, you're the same guy who used to try to convince my father to believe and my grandfather to believe and my great-grandfather because everybody else lives till 80, let's say you're 70 or 60 and he's been around for 900 years. So say, oh yeah, you're the same one. You've been trying to convince my great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather and my great-great-great-grandfather and my great-great-grandfather and my great-grandfather and my grandfather and me. You've been at it for so long. <laughs> but itself you would think that they would realize that you know, look, look, you're dying at 1670 and I've been around for hundreds of years, right? That itself was an ayat for them. That itself was a clear proof for them. But still they disbelieve. It shows you how stubborn kufr is. And look at the excuses they're offering. Flimsy excuses, right? That what well, about the poor are the ones who follow you, right? That's such a flimsy excuse. Or you should have brought an angel. An angel should have come down and made himself apparent to us with you. Right? Even just his age... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given them such a hujjat, such a clear manifest reason to believe in their age. 
All right, now in verse 35, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is changing back to one issue of the story of Sayyidina, uh, Sayyidina Rasulullah sallam. And what was that? That the mushrikeen of Makkah Makarama, they used to allege and accuse that the Prophet had fabricated the Qur'an. Am yakulun aftarahu, that do the mushrikeen of Makkah, do they say that he fab- he's fabricated this, that he has made up, the Qur'an is something that is made up? Kul, say to them, my beloved messenger, in iftareituhu, fa'alayya ijrami, fa'alayya, fa'alayya ijrami, that know that look, that if I had fabricated it, then look, all of that crime is mine. I will be guilty of that crime. But I am absolved and exonerated of the crime that you commit. What does that mean? That you have decided to do kufr. Right? And you will have to face the consequences of that kufr. So Khair ibn Kathir said that this verse is an interlude and is referring to the Prophet ﷺ. Other commentators say that no, this is continuing the story of Sayyidina Nuhul Islam, this is the view of Alama Alusi and Tafsir al-Mani, and that, in fact, the followers of Nuhul Islam said that you're making this stuff up. You're making this stuff up, that you're a prophet, and that you've come from Allah, and that we should believe in Him. So this was the response that Sayyidina Nuhul Islam has said to them. Khair now, wa'uhiya ila Nuhin. So then it was revealed to Sayyidina Nuhul Islam that no one, lay yu'mina min qawmika illa man kan amana. That now, from this moment onward, no one will ever believe from your calm except those who have already believed. So it's finished now. It's done. Whoever is going to believe has believed up to this point. From now on, nobody else is going to believe. So therefore, فَلَا تَبْتَئِسْ بِمَا كَانُوا يَفْعُلُونَ So don't be grieved at all. Don't feel sad at all about what they're about to do. Instead, wasna il fulka. So go build that boat. Go build that ark. Right? Go build it by ark. Literally, Allah saying is in front of my eyes. And said, so go and do it openly. I want to see you go fulfill this command to build that boat. And don't address me. Yes, wala tukhatibni. That don't make, Allah Ta'ala is telling Nulsan, don't make me mukhatib. Filladina dhalamu about those who are oppressed. So here was an ishara. Even at this time, Nulsan Islam knows his son is an unbeliever. At this time, Allah SWT knows that the son of Nulsan Islam is an unbeliever. And Allah SWT knows that what's going to happen when Nulsan Islam builds the boat. And Allah SWT is anticipating that Nulsan Islam is going to call to Allah SWT regarding the Regarding some of those who are oppressive. Innahum mugrukun, saying that they will indeed certainly surely be drowned. Well, yes, no, folks, so say, no, no, Sam, you continue to make that boat. And then what happened is that when he made this boat, you see, he was making it on dry land. So his community thought that, look, he's insane. He's making a huge boat and he's completely inland. There's no port, there's no water anywhere. So he had to deal with the mocking uh, of the leaders of his community. And this is so now what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to mention here in verses 38 onward that uh, his community is going to mock him. So whenever the leaders used to pass by him, they used to mock him. So he used to respond to them that look, قَالْ إِن تَسْخَرُوا مِنَّا فَإِنَّا نَسْخَرُوا مِنْكُمْ كَمَا تَسْخَرُونَ That if you mock us, then we shall also mock you just as you do to us. And that suggests, and what is that? That the day will come, in other words, that we will be mocking you. The day will come that you will realize why this boat was made. 
Alright? Fasofa ta'lamun. Indeed, soon you shall know. Mayatihi adabun. That whomsoever will be afflicted by such a punishment. Yukhzihi. That that punishment will be a means of humiliating and disgracing them. Wa yahillu alayhi adabun mukim. And then they will be yahillu alayhi. Then they will be surrounded by and afflicted by and surrounded by, uh, what? Adabum muqim an unfading, eternal, unending punishment. So here's that Sayyidina Usam, he makes this ark. And then what happens? That hatta idha ja'a amruna. So until then Allah Ta'ala's command came. Now the boat was built, then there's some waiting period after that. Then Allah Ta'ala's command came. When Allah Ta'ala's command came, what happens? Right? Then water began to flow from the earth. Some translate this as oven. The literal word here is oven, but it means the earth. It also has, means that source of the earth from which the water gushed forth. Just like in the old type of oven. Even today, when you open up the oven, there's a cavity from which the heat, when, heat, when you open up, even when you open up your convection oven, when you open the door, the heat gushes forth, right? So what it means here is that source of the earth from which the water gushed forth. So when Allah Ta'ala's command came, and then the water began to gush forth from the literal the oven, means from that core of the earth from which water gushed forth. So then Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala told Sayyidina Islam that you should load upon this boat, min kullin that from each and every species of animal, a pair, male and female, wa ahlaka, and you should load your family. Now here's where, Right, Sayyidina Allah takes it literally that Ahl means his family. إِلَّا مَنْ سَبَكَ عَلَيْهِ الْقَوْلُ Except that upon whom a decision has already been passed. And that was the decision Allah just said. That don't make me mukhatib regarding the zalimin. Indeed they are. What was it? إِنَّهُمْ مُغْرَكُونَ That indeed they will be they will be people who drown. So put everyone on your Ahl إِلَّا Except that person upon whom Allah Ta'ala has already sent his decision and decree that the Zalamin will be uh, drowned. Waman Amana and put on that boat each and every person who has Iman. Wama Amana Ma'ahu Illa Khalil and indeed very few have taken no one has taken Iman new except very few. Very few people. Wakal al Kubu fiha so Allah Ta'ala told Sayyidina that you should ride and embark on that boat and what you should say, Bismillah, with the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Majreha, Mursaha. With the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it will now float and travel on this flood, Mursaha, and eventually it will anchor itself, it will come to a standstill after the flood subsides. In the Rabbi Lagafuru Rahim, indeed surely my Rabb is that being who is surely all forgiving and all merciful. And then so it traveled with them amid waves the size of mountains. Moj, Moj means made Moj in Kaljibal. With tides, tides and high tides and waves the size of mountains. Now here Sayyidina Nuh he called out his son. And his son was standing in a detached way, in a detached way separate from them. Right? So what did he say? Ya Arkab Ma'ana That oh my dear beloved son Arkab meaning ride, board, board this boat Ma'ana with us Wala takum ma'al kafirin And do not be amongst, do not be with the disbelievers Alright What did Sayyidina Nuh son respond? Right? So he responded by saying 
Qala sa'awi ila jabalin That I will go and take shelter and refuge on a mountain And that will save me from the water So he thought if I go to a high elevated place I will be saved from the flood So now if you think about it, Your father is calling you to the boat So the boat's a guarantee And your father's a nabi But he wanted to escape the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He didn't want to have iman he didn't want to have Iman, but he didn't want to die there. So he thought he would go to a high place. So Sayyidina Nulis Samkala, Sayyidina Nulis Samkala, La Asim al-Yawma min Amrillah. There is no savior today from the commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No elevated place, no mountain, nothing. Illa man rahima, except that person upon whom Allah ta'ala sends his mercy. Wahala bainahum al-Mojun. All of a sudden a huge wave, a big tide came up and came between Sayyidina Nuh alayhi salam and his son, وَكَانَ مِنَ الْمُغْرَكِينَ And then the son of Nuh alayhi salam became amongst those who were drowned. Now imagine for Sayyidina Nuh alayhi salam, he saw his son drowned in front of his very eyes. He didn't see him go down, but he saw him standing there, and then he saw a huge tidal wave come over him. Allah, for any father to see that happen to a son, that itself was a tragedy. But the double, the real tragedy was that he saw that his son was amongst the unbelievers. He saw that his own son was a disbeliever. Right? Imagine that Nabi, what would happen to the heart of that Nabi whose son doesn't believe in them. Right? Allah, and that Nabi knows well that the disbelievers will remain in Jahannam for all of eternity, especially those disbelievers who disbelieved a living Nabi in front of them. Right? So imagine how hard that must have been. One cannot, we can't imagine. Actually, I don't think anybody uh, can imagine uh, what that is. Mufassirun have mentioned, however, that when Allah said that take your ahl onto the boat, that Nuh is mentioned in some books as having had two other sons. So there's some, as we say, saving grace, right? That he did have an ahl that did make it to the boat. He had his family and he had other children. And Sayyidina Abdullah bin Abbas mentions that the entire ahl actually numbered 70. Actually numbered 70 and that includes the three sons of Nuh and their wives and their children and his grandchildren. So he did have other progeny and offspring and descendants. But still, right? Still it's a very uh, difficult, very difficult thing. Wakila ya ardu, and so it was said to the earth, and as you can imagine, Wakila was said to the earth means it was said by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Order was given to the earth. This is why I told you right, we're calling it the oven of really actually the earth. Ya ardu blai maak that O earth suck in your water, suck it back in. So imagine like the oven is open and you tell the oven suck all the heat back in. So it's reverse. Like instant replay, right? Or, re- or not instant replay, what is it? Rewind, right? Rewind. So it goes backwards and all the water goes back into the source of the earth. So what happened then? Then the water subsided and then the flood and everything was over. And waqudi al-amru and the matter was decided and what Allah Ta'ala had decreed had come to happen and Allah Ta'ala's command had befallen them. Wastawat al-judiyyi. So what happened? The mount or the boat what came to rest on a place called Judi. This is the, this is the name of a mountain that is uh, according to Mufti Takisam is in northern Iraq. 
Khair, it is a mountain, and so the, it settled over there, and then an announcement, wakila, and it was an announcement was made, bo'dan lil zalimin, and indeed may that qom that is zalimin, that community that was unjust, away with the wrongdoers. Bo'dan, they're now bayi, they're gone. They're long gone. Long gone is that community who had been unjust and had disbelieved in Sayyidina Nuh alayhi salam. So Nuh alayhi salam, let's see if I can just finish the story of Sayyidina Nuh alayhi salam. Yes, okay, let's try to reach 49 and we can finish Sayyidina Nuh alayhi salam's story. So Sayyidina Nuh salam called unto his Rabb. وَنَادَ نُوهُنْ رَبَّهُ And Sayyidina Nuh alayhi salam called upon his Rabb. فَقَالَ رَبِّ إِنَّ بْنِي مِنْ أَهْلِ That indeed my son is from my Ahl. You said I could put my Ahl on the boat. وَإِنَّ وَعْدَكَ الْحَقُّ And indeed your promise is Haq. Right? And you told me that my Ahl would be saved. وَانْتَأَحْكُمَ الْحَاكِمِينَ And indeed you were the best of judges. You were the best of decision makers. You were the wisest of the wise. قَالَ Allah SWT responded يَا نُوهُ O Nuh alayhi salam إِنَّهُ لَيْسَ مِنْ أَهْلِكَ to know that he was not from your أَهْل إِنَّهُ أَمَلٌ غَيْرُ صَالِحِ because he didn't do أَمَالَ صَالِحِ indeed his deeds and actions were not righteous were not pious so there's a notion here that أَهْل doesn't mean your blood lineage أَهْل means for a prophet your spiritual followers so when we talk about أَهْلِ رَسُولِ أَهْل Qur'an Kareem is establishing who are the Ahl of a Nabi? Allah Ta'ala is mentioning clearly in Quran that the Ahl of a Nabi are those who are spiritual followers. It has nothing to do with your blood lineage. Alright? So Ahl Rasul means Sahaba Ikram radiallahu ta'ala an ajmain. And Hamdullah according to Sunnis in any case, all of the Alibayt are Ahl Rasul. Because for us, all of his wives and all of his children are all believers. Tamariyat Maslaniyya. There's no difference for us. There's no difference for us. Alright? Okay. So, uh, when Allah SWT says this, His actions were not correct. Right? وَلَا تَسْأَلْنِي مَا لَيْسَ لَكَ بِهِ إِلْمَ اللَّهُ أَكْبَرُ Allah Ta'ala is addressing His Prophet. Don't ask me. Don't ask me about those things about which you have no knowledge. إِنِّي أَئِذُكَ أَن تَكُونَ مِنَ الْجَاهِلِينَ I'm advising you, Nuh alayhi salam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying, إِنِّي, indeed, I, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, أَئِذُكَ, I give you wa'adhan nasiha, I advise you, أَن تَكُونَ, lest that you should become amongst the jahileen, I advise you, don't act like and become one of the ignorant. Allahu Akbar. So immediately, immediately say, Nuh alayhi salam, see the Immediately Sayyidina Rasulullah said, what is that call? Sayyidina Rasulullah said, Rabbi inni a'udhu bika an as'alaka ma laysa li bihi ilm. Oh my Rabb, I seek refuge in you that I would ever ever ask from you such a thing regarding which, concerning which I have no knowledge and have no right. وَإِلَّا تَغْفِرْ لِي وَتَرْحَمْنِي أَكُمْ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ And I'll tell if you do not forgive me, and if you do not have mercy on me, indeed then I will be amongst those who fall into absolute loss and ruin. قِيلَ يَا نُوحُ بِتْ That it was said to him, then a caller called out to him, that O Nuh al-Islam, descend from this boat, disembark from this boat, بِسَلَامٍ مِنَّا With peace from us, وَبَرَكَاتٍ alayka, And barakat from us. So the nukta here is, what did Sayyidina al-Islam ask for? He asked for maghfirah and rahmah. But when you ask Allah Ta'ala sincerely for maghfirah and rahmah, Allah Ta'ala is that being, He doesn't just forgive you, He sends, He forgives you also. And sends His mercy also, but He also sends His salam and barakat. 
اب کہہ رہے تو مغفرت مانگ رہے تھے اور مل رہا کیا ہے سلام ان برکات سو دس از ہاؤ اللہ دس از وٹ مینز الکریم ہی از الکریم ہی از جنرس ہی گیوز مور دین وی ڈیزرو مور دین وی آس فار مور دین وی ایکسپیکٹ فار مور دین وی ہوپ سو وی شوڈ آلسو یو نو ہیو دس فیلنگ دیٹ وٹ وی وانٹ وین وی میک دعا مغفرت فار اللہ سبحانہ تعالیٰ از وی وانٹ اللہ تعالیٰ ٹو سینڈ از سلام ان برکات سو بسلام منا مبارکات علیکا And we send these salam and these barakat on all of those ummas, all of those ummas from amongst those ummas who are with you. And we will grant them, and there are many such parties to whom we will grant such enjoyment, but then we will subject them to a torturous punishment thereafter. Right? Okay. So we send peace and blessings upon you and upon the peoples from those with you. And there are other peoples whom we shall give some temporary enjoyment in this world. But thereafter, after that, there will be a painful punishment from them that we will visit them. So what is Allah SWT saying here is that from you now, there's a, this is basically the second birth of humanity. Rebirth of humanity. First was Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam. Now the flood wipes everyone off and again they're just believers. And the first origin of humanity started with two believers, Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam and Sayyidina Hawar Vidat Anha. But then from their progeny there were some who believed and some who disbelieved. Again, new origin of humanity. Sayyidina Nuh alayhi salam again is with all believers. Sayyidina Nuh alayhi salam and his believing Saba. So from them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying is there will be some ummas that will come forth from you that they will also believe. And therefore the salam and barakat Allah saying that I am sending on you, Nuh alayhi I am also going to send on those ummas. But then there will also be many such ummas who are going to come from your, from the offspring of your offspring or from the offspring of your believers, from the offspring of your companions who will not believe and to them we will let them enjoy a little bit on this earth but eventually they will also have, they will be taken over by adab and alim, by a painful punishment. <coughs> so, and so initially they settled Then Sayyidina Osama and his community believers Settled land with Salam and Barakat So actually this is yet another I told you there This is a third I told you this th- Last time I told you Not last time but once I told you There were two times There are three times When there were only Mu'mineen on earth One was Sayyidina Adam Number two is this time And number three is At the end of time when Imam made the Islam and Sayyidina Islam will successfully defeat and vanquish Dajjal, then all of the unbelievers will be vanquished and there will come a time when everybody on earth will be a believer. So there will be a third time. The suggestion, by the way, is perhaps that that third time also is when humanity will be very little on earth. And there's a very good chance that that last war between the forces of Imam Mehdi and Sayyidina Islam and Dajjal, on the other hand, will result in mass casualties. And that group that is left after all of that, in which there's Iman and everyone is a believer, will again be a small group like the group of Sayyidina Islam and his fellow believers. Tilka min amba in ghaybi nuhiha ilayka. That was not saying is in this narrative and this story was from the accounts of the unseen. Right? And Allah is saying that we have revealed this unto you, inspired this unto you, sent this down to revelation unto you. Sayyidina Islam, ma kunta. 
And you and your group, the Prophet would not have had any ilm about this before. So this is also proof of the nubuat of Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam that he is, being, he is reciting verses that contain details about previous communities that he would not have anything to know about. Fasbir, you should have sabr. Beloved Master Sallallahu have sabr, be patient, have fortitude, endure. Innal aqibata lil muttaqeen. Indeed, the good outcome, the triumphant outcome, the successful outcome will be in the favor of the muttaqeen, of the people of taqwa. Right. From verses 50 onward will be mentioned the story of Sayyidina Hud salam. But let's just reflect on one or two lessons from the story of Sayyidina Nuh salam. First, Allah SWT said that this is a matter that is from the unseen, but it was meant when Allah Ta'ala ends by saying Fasbir. So the understanding is, is that this story of Sayyidina Rasulullah is meant, number one, to give Sayyidina Rasulullah some sabr, right? Because Sayyidina Rasulullah doesn't feel so bad. He remains steadfast with his community. And it also means that it's meant to give us sabr as well. Right? That all of us should learn sabr from the sabr that Sayyidina Rasulullah how many years he spent why do I say this? Because sometimes when a father wants to bring his son on deen, he gets impatient. If the son doesn't pray, he gets impatient. If the husband wants to bring her wife on deen, the wife wants to bring her husband on deen, the mother wants to bring the daughter on deen, the daughter wants to bring the mother-father on deen, the child, etc. Sometimes people lose that sabr when they're trying to invite one another towards the deen. Second, when a person is faced with opposition, again a person loses sabr. They don't have hilm, what I explained to some of you last night after Tarabi prayers, right? That a person in our deen is supposed to have hilm. Hilm, and we did this earlier also, this was, no, I, that was not, that was last night. So hilm means that a person doesn't react. Hilm, zarf, wus'a. And the way we explain this is the person should be like a sponge. We have to increase our absorptive capacity. That's also what sabr is. So somebody does something to us, we don't shoot back. We don't react back, right? So Sayyidina Nuh Salam, we can just imagine 950 years. And even then, your son, you're not even able to get your own son amongst the believers. So he obviously had a lot of hilm. Another story in here is that when Sayyidina Nuh Salam made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so it is permissible you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for something that you want, but the second you realize that it's something that Allah ta'ala doesn't want for you, the second you realize that it's something that Allah ta'ala doesn't want for you, you immediately give up all your hopes and desires for that, and you leave that, and you just ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for His forgiveness and His mercy. Alright, we stop over here, and inshallah tomorrow... We're going to do, I'm going to make a few announcements today also, by the way. Tomorrow, inshallah, we're going to resume from Surah Hud, verse number 50. And inshallah, we'll be able to finish that surah tomorrow. Tomorrow is Saturday, right? And Saturday, then I will continue. But Sunday, Sunday, from 2 to 5 p.m., we're going to do a special session on Surah Yusuf. So those of you who have any friends or family members or family of friends or friends of family who cannot come to the whole series, or who Dorat Tafsir Kinam right? So we're having a one-day event. You can present it to them like this, which is on Sunday from 2 to 5. We'll be doing just Surah Yusuf, inshallah. So tomorrow I may even read Surah Yusuf, then I will skip it, and I will go a little bit ahead even, if I need to tomorrow. 
but tomorrow's Saturday, right? But on Sunday, 2 to 5, we have a special event on Surah, and especially for young men and women, we are going to be doing tafsir of Surah Yusuf in a particular way that is geared directly to college and university youth, and this is the way our own Sheikh taught us tafsir of Surah Yusuf in Zambia. And some of you may have done it here in Pakistan under him as well. All right. Then on Monday, 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 Alhamdulillah, Sheikh will be giving a talk here at 3 p.m. Hazrat Sheikh Malana Zulfikar Ahmed Samdam Barkatum will give a bayan here on Monday. So in place of the actual Dersat this year, instead we're going to have a bayan on Monday. Then Tuesday, Wednesday, I will then do you know another one and a half paras after Surah Yusuf. And on Thursday, we will have another special one-day event, also which will be specifically directed at youth, Thursday from 2 to 5, that is Surah Kahf. Surah Kahf, and then we will end this year at Dora Tafsir. On that note, inshallah, so we have done half of the Qur'an this year, and either we will do half of the Qur'an with you next year, or I may try to do half of the Qur'an with you when I come back in December, inshallah. All right? So on Thursday we will do Surah Kahf and then we will make our own Ikhtatami Dua. Okay, so that's clear then. So tomorrow we continue as normal. Tomorrow Saturday is a normal. Sunday 2 to 5, dedicated day to Surah Yusuf. Monday there will be Bayan. Tuesday and Wednesday there will be Dorat Tafsir continuing as normal. And Thursday will be dedicated day to Surah Kahf. And we will also have the Khatam Dua, Ikhtatami Dua, Ikhtatami Dua of this year's Dorat Tafsir. Right? Acha announcement for the women. Announcement for the women. That women, it's not ending for the women. So then on Friday, my wife will continue, my wife will continue the rest of the Quran and can do the proper khatam of Quran for the women all the way up until the end of Ramadan. So the boys will do it with me some other day, some other time, inshallah, December or next year. So then they will have their own khatam of Quran program, I think on 29th Ramadan. That then the women cannot. Right, so this year door to year was half me and half my wife. But for you, you're only allowed to get my worst half. <laughs> and the women will be able to get both me and my better half. Alright? So you should know that your women folk, you'll have to still drop them and maybe you'll have to come back and pick them up later. وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين ربك فر وارحم وأنت خير الراحمين اللهم أعنا لذكرك وشكرك وحسن إبادتك وتلاوة كتابك يا الله يا رب الكريم يا الله we ask that you accept our fast in this month of Ramadan يا الله we ask that you accept our coming here studying here listening here Ya Allah, we ask that you accept this and decree your kubuliyat of this effort by making each and every one of us amil of the Qur'an, hamil of the Qur'an, khadim of the Qur'an, ashik of the Qur'an, and each and every aspect of our deen that the Qur'an guides us to, make us people who are mukhlisin al-luhuddin, make us people who are hamil and amil and ashik of the sunnah, make us people who are hamil, ashik and amil of the sirat al-mustaqim, of the path of your nabiyin, siddiqin, shuhada, 
insaleheen. Ya Allah, Ya Bikrim, whatever lesson that you wanted us to learn from all of these stories of all of these past and beyond communities, let that lesson enter into our heart, inscribe it onto our heart, let it impact on our heart. Ya Bikrim, we offer ourselves up to you without even maybe fully knowing each and every lesson you want us to learn, but we promise and pledge that we want to become and make ourselves such that you are pleased with us. We want to make ourselves in whatever way you wish us to be. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask that you become radhi with us, that you become pleased with us, that you grant us a life in which we can earn and attain your pleasure. Grant us that fawzul azim in both in this world and in the next. Rabbana takambal minna innaka anta samil alim. Watubu alayna innaka anta tawabu rahim. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala habibihi Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Birahmatika ya arhamar rahimin. Amen.